didn't seem to fall asleep There was so much on my mind Searching for that peace But the peace I could not find So then I kneeled down to pray Pray, help me please Then he said you don't have to cry I'll supply all your needs As soon as I stopped worrying As soon as I stopped worrying Worrying how the story is When I let go when I let go And I let, let God Let him have Let God have his way That's when things start happening When I stopped looking at back when I let go, when I let God, let Him have His way. There's so much going on. Sometimes I can't find my way, and oftentimes I struggle, struggle from day to day. I have to realize it is not my battle. It's not my battle to fight I have to know if I put it in your hands That everything will be alright As soon as I stop worrying As soon as I stop worrying Worrying how the story is I can let go Let go and let God let go. Let God, oh, let go and let God let go and let God, my brother, let go and let God, my sister, you can't handle it. Let God, oh, let go and let God. God. Let go. He's the only one with the answers. Let go. Just let God. let God. He can handle it all. Yes, He can. Let go. Let God. Let go. With tears in your eyes. Let go. Just let God. We got to know how to let things go and let God. You can't be asking Him to help you with something and then you're trying to fix it, right? <laughs> Doesn't work that way. But I have to remind you, the best is yet to come. Which one, Javet? We got a request, and you know I got to honor my request. So I'm going to go ahead and pull this one back up. The Let's go. 
Let Go by Dwayne Woods. Gonna go ahead and pull that one up for Javet. Important reminder, folks. Gotta know how to let go of those bags. Put the bags down. It's okay. You don't need to be carrying them around with you. Disappointment. Put it down. Friends who have betrayed you. Go ahead and put that bag down. Employers, bosses who don't treat you right. Put it down. Parents who abandoned you, put it down. Partner that cheated on you, put it down. Family members that hurt you, it's okay, put it down. Children not loving you back the way you love them, put it down. A lot of times we stand in our own way. So here are eight ways that you can let go. Put your pain into words. Make the commitment to let go. Learn to act accept things as they are stop blaming others forgive yourself and others find support in people who fulfill you focus on the things that give you joy right now and don't be afraid to seek help if you need it Gotta know how to step aside, folks. Let it go. Let go. Let God. Put it down. Whatever it is that you're carrying on your head and in your heart that is holding you back, let it go. If you're gonna trust him, you gotta trust him wholeheartedly.
Yes, folks, just a quick reminder that you need to know how to let things go. Put them in God's hands and leave them there. Don't go picking them back up. Don't do that. Leave them right there. The best is yet to come. Better believe that. Thank you, Donald Lawrence, for reminding us about this part here. Thank you so much. Do you believe that? I'm here dancing, <laughs> wrecking things, just in a good mood. What can I say in a good mood? It is Friday, kicking it off with a little praise and worship this morning. We got to be thankful, got to be grateful. It is 10 after the top of the hour. We do have the headlines coming up soon. Keep it locked. I'm going to let Fred Hammond speak a little bit for us. So important for us to ask for protection as we move about, especially in today's landscape. Things are so unpredictable. So much happening out there, Marisha. You're absolutely right. Let's just take it back a little bit. One, two, three, say! You might as well go on ahead and get your dance on. Jesus, be a vent.
So I know for those of you who are logged on to QMZ Radio and Jano Radio, as well as those folks here with me on Clubhouse, you may be wondering why this week I have been playing gospel music in the first 15 minutes of the show. That's because what I've been told to do, a lot of times we're told to do things and we do not do it. Even if we don't understand why we're being told to do something, when, when the Spirit speaks to you, you just got to follow. Plain and simple. I don't know who the music is for, who the ministry is for, who the word is for. I really don't know. But we got to learn to be obedient. Just for you, naturalist. Have you ever thought about that? It could have been you. It's a quarter past the top of the hour, but I have to squeeze in one more. A request from DJ Naturalist. Don't you ever for one minute think you are better than the person that is standing at that intersection that you pass by. Don't you ever for one minute think that you are better than the person that is sleeping under that bridge. In the blink of an eye, you could be exchanging places. So, move with gratitude and appreciation. Do not take anything for granted. You are not self-made.
DJ Naturalist, this one is for you, Excess Love by Mercy. Too much of excess 
so excess love Your love for me too much Too much, too much excess love Too much Jesus, you love me that you gave your life for me. <laughs> what manner of love is this? What manner of love is this that you give it all for me, oh God? Jesus, you love me. You love me. Thank you so much, DJ Naturalist, for introducing me to this song. Title track, Excess Love, by Mercy Chinwell. there are any songs you want me to play next week during our praise and worship segment that starts at nine o'clock eastern please send it over to me for those listening on jano radio and qmz radio you can send the request to my email moments with me media at gmail.com for my folks on clubhouse you can put it in the chat or in the back channel I know we all have that one song that speaks to us, screams at us. <laughs> all right, folks, and we're going to go ahead and let you know what we have going on in the world today. to all our listeners around the world thank you for logging on to the quality music zone qmzradio.com and janoradio.com your non-stop party vibe station of course i have to say good morning to my studio audience courtesy of clubhouse it is friday april 21 oh wow we're going by so quickly yeah it's almost the end of april folks yeah Anyway, it is Friday, <laughs> and today we have the Friday Mix, Freestyle Friday. Got our praise and worship out the way, then you know what's going to happen after the break, right? Thank you so much for joining me for Coffee in Tow, World News on the Go. We do this every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. This is where I read the news and we share our views. 
You can find me on Twitter at me media moments on Instagram moments underscore with underscore me underscore media and on TikTok moments with me media. And here are the headlines. Out of the Caribbean corner, protesting Antiguan teachers agreed to return to work. Out of Barbados, SJPI plans to include anger management classes in curriculum. British Virgin Islands is reporting that an immigration officer has been charged in connection with migrant smuggling. Out of the Cayman Islands, Honduran passports ready for collection in Suriname. They're going to be reintroducing visa requirements for a number of countries. Two Trinidad and Tobago nationals to receive award at UWI Awards Gala in New York. Two women have been nabbed in the ongoing fraud probe at InSport. Okay, I was I was here feeling good that no women were included, but anyway, all right. So two women have been nabbed. Tensions are rising in PNP's Southeast St. Anne constituency. Ex-Jamaica Prime Minister PJ Patterson slams hypocrites in Haiti. Andrew Holness says the government and NHT to provide 70,000 units to address housing deficit. Starbucks Mall Plaza first to be certified under greener far store frame, rather. And Carnival triggering tourism and economic boom. Out of Latin America, Ukraine's Zelensky addresses Mexican, Cong Mexican Congress and denounces the critics. On the international scene, Sudan fighting. We have live news updates. Uh, the U.S. is preparing for possible evacuation of embassy staff in Sudan as well. Uganda's president refuses to sign anti-LGBTQ bill. And South Asia has world's highest number of child brides, according to the United Nations. And I'm sure America is going to join that list very soon. I don't know if you're all aware of the various bills that are being signed it is just preposterous, to say the least. To say the least. In business and tech news, BuzzFeed News will shut down and Elon Musk's big rocket explodes on test flight. McCarthy proposes changing access to food stamps as part of debt limit debate. And we have a part two to understanding Fed now. We're going to have the details of all these stories and more. But first... It's time for us to turn up in the Friday mix. I'm going to buy y'all a drink because y'all are so nice for hanging out with me. Let me buy you a drink I'm T-Pain You know me Convict music Never pull I know the club Goes at three What's the chance Until you rolling with me Back to the creek Show you how I live Let's get drunk and Forget what we
Through the sex all in the atmosphere I'ma let the pain sing So he can make it clear It is the bottom of the hour We're gonna go ahead and get into the details And as always We start in the Caribbean corner Our first story, we head over to Antigua. Protesting Antiguan teachers agreed to return to work. Story courtesy of Caribbean.loopnews.com. Students in Antigua and Barbuda returned to their classrooms yesterday after the Antigua and Barbuda Union of Teachers called off strike action. The union informed the government that it was taking strike action from April 11 since union members are fed up of the inadequate facilities, lack of school security, and their remuneration packages. The government was forced to extend the Easter vacations as a result of teachers refusing to return on Monday. A note from the cabinet said the government was happy that teachers are returning to the classroom and it applauded Minister of Education Daryl Matthew and the officials from the Ministry of Education and the Treasury for acting quickly to get teachers back on the job. So we just reported that this week, right? So it's good to know that they were able to resolve that pretty quickly. Our next story takes us over to Barbados. SJPI plans to include anger management classes in curriculum. Story courtesy of Barbados.loop News. The Samuel Jackman Prescott Institute of Technology is planning to introduce anger management and a soft skills training to its curriculum in the coming weeks. The Pine St. Michael Institution revealed plans to focus on conflict resolution in a statement issued on Thursday, April 20, following reports of an altercation on the premises. He said that they are working to include soft skills training and anger management in the curriculum, and that that is something the public and the media will hear more about in the coming weeks. Police were called to the school on Thursday afternoon after an incident occurred during the annual fashion show, which is staged by the final year students of the Garment Technology Program. On now to the British Virgin Islands, immigration officer has been charged in connection with migrant smuggling. Story courtesy of Caribbean.loopnews.com. 
An immigration officer has been charged in connection with a recent migrant smuggling incident near the British Virgin Islands. The Department of Immigration said Officer Naima Grant was arrested and charged with three counts of breach of trust. The investigation into Grant's alleged crimes took place after police detained three Dominican uh, three Dominican Republic men that were attempting to enter the territory illegally. In a statement, the department said it is committed to upholding the law and any identified wrongdoings by officers will be addressed. They say they remain committed uh, to enhancing internal monitoring processes through utilizing advanced technological software, employing relevant investigative strategies and maintaining strong relationships with regional partners. Our next story takes us to the Cayman Islands, courtesy of cayman.lukenews.com. According to the Honduran Committee in the Cayman Islands, the Honduran Consulate is informing the entire Honduran community in the Cayman Islands that passports are now ready for distribution. The collection point will be at Seafarers Hall, where members of the community may visit from 1 to 7 p.m. on Friday today and tomorrow from 1 p.m. to 7 p.m., and that's Saturday, April 22. Members of the community wishing to collect their passports must present themselves in person and bring valid ID. If a passport is being issued for a minor, the minor must be accompanied by their parents. In the case of adults, no one else may collect the passport on an adult's behalf. I didn't know they had a Honduran community in um, the Cayman Islands. I learned something new today. That's interesting. Okay. wonder how big that community is. Hmm. All right, next up. We're jumping on down to Suriname. Less than a year after Suriname abolished the visa requirements for all countries, the measure is being reintroduced for 21 countries. From May 1, the visa requirement will apply to 21 countries whose citizens have been found to be abusing visa-free travel to Suriname. And that's according to the Minister of Foreign Affairs. They include the Caribbean nations of the Dominican Republic, Cuba and Venezuela. Others include India, Nepal, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Kenya, Ghana, Somalia, Cameroon, Ethiopia, and Syria. The decision to reintroduce the requirement was taken on Wednesday. Although there has been an increase in arrivals from China, Morocco, Romania, and Colombia, the visa requirement for citizens of these countries has not been reinstated. Ramdin noted that bilateral agreements with some of these countries on visa about visa eradication, I can't believe I was about to stumble over that, were taken into account. Romania, a member state of the European Union, is also among those. Hmm. So I'm wondering why not, if there's an increase in arrivals from China, Morocco, is it that probably the citizens of China, Morocco, and Romania, and Colombia are um, adhering to immigration policies, so they're not going to enforce those? Hmm. Okay. A group of 150 foreigners, including Pakistanis and Africans, were detained at the international airport last week after being denied entry into the country. Ramdin said they will all be repatriated and some have already been sent home. Ramdin emphasized that even without visas being required for travel, the country's immigration law was still in force 
and being allowed to travel visa-free did not guarantee admission into the country. Uh, hold on. I, 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 I have a slight issue with that. You spend your money to go. If my intentions are pure and I spend my money to go to Guyana for vacation, why don't you let me know beforehand that I'm sorry, you can't come. You make me fly all that distance. So I'm out of pocket, but the airline is okay. The carrier makes the money and I'm at a loss. I don't know. Not my business. Not my business. I just want to party today. <laughs> Let me just confess. I really want to just party today. Anyway, two TNT nationals, some good news, uh, to receive an award at the UWI Awards Gala in New York. Awesome. Trinidad and Tobago nationals are among the honorees and scholarships winners at the 26th annual awards gala of the American Foundation of the University of the West Indies in New York City. The gala was held yesterday. All the awardees have contributed to the University of the West Indies and the region in various capacities. Dr. Hazel Carter, Associate Professor of Educational Leadership at the City College of New York, will receive the Pelican Award, while Dr. Farley Cleghorn, Global Head, Health Practice for the Palladium Group, will receive the Chancellor's Award for Excellence in Global Health Research and Delivery. They join other notable recipients, including Dr. Mark Brantley, Premier of Nevis, who will receive the Vice-Chancellor's Award for Excellence in International Government and Leadership, Robert Don Poo Cummings, CEO and entrepreneur, who will receive the Trailblazer Award for Excellence in Entrepreneurship and Community Enga Engagement, along with others. All right, good. That's awesome. Proud of y'all. Let me give them a round of applause for their accomplishments. All right, next up, we head on over to Jamaica for our next set of stories, courtesy of Nationwide Radio. And I do have sound bites for these. So I'll go ahead and pull them up. Uh, two women have been nabbed in ongoing fraud probe at Insport. Two women have been implicated in, implicated in the $222 million fraud racket committed at the Institute of Sports, Insport. They bring to five the number of people who have been arrested and charged for allegedly defrauding the entity. Mahiri Stewart has more in this report. The lead investigating entity, the major organized crime and anti-corruption agency, MOCA, on Wednesday revealed that three former employees had been arrested and charged in the multi-million dollar fraud case. The men, party promoter Andrew Wright, Rudolph Barnes and O'Neill Hope, were picked up after a long-standing investigation by MOCA that spanned six years. MOCA says the men have been a part of a team that wrote signed and encashed fraudulent checks for payees who were neither employees nor contracted workers of the entity. The agency noted that its investigation was not limited to the three men and that they would be going after others. Sometime before noon today, Mocha carried out another operation that led to the arrest of the two women. This was confirmed by the Director of Communications at Mocha, Major Basil Jarrett, who says one of the women was picked at InSports where she's still employed. 
our agents this morning arrested and charged two additional persons in connection with the $222 million fraud investigation at InSports. One person was picked up at her home and the other was picked up at InSports where she was still employed. Both persons are to appear in court tomorrow along with the other three suspects who were arrested yesterday. Arrested and charged are Janique Mills and Andrea Picton. Both women have been charged with conspiracy to defraud. Mocha says Mills is also facing an additional charge of forgery. According to Major Jarrett, today's operation was carried out with diligence, precision, and professionalism and demonstrates the agency's commitment to bringing the perpetrators to justice. He also warned persons involved in these activities to seize and desist as Mocha and its other law enforcement partners are committed to their mandate of detecting and prosecuting these illicit activities. Mocha was called in to carry out a fraud investigation at InSports following an internal audit by the Institute in 2017. The period under probe was 2011 to 2017. In an interview earlier on Thursday with Nationwide News, Mocha's Director of Investigations, Oreth Dunkley, says the delay in making an arrest was due to the complexities of the case. This was a complex investigation. It requires the engagement of multiple agencies and collaboration. The file is voluminous and um, the pursuit of investigative and procedural activities were required to get the necessary evidence to prove the case. The processes take time and the pace of execution was not always within our control. Mahiri Stewart for Nationwide News. Okay then. I wonder how many more people are going to be picked up in this $222 million fraud. And um, next week, I'm, I'm just wondering which company is going to be next on the list. I'm sure we have more stories to report in the coming future. I shouldn't be laughing, Lord. Um, what does it say of our country, though, as these cases seem to be just popping up out of the woodworks. I know many times we have spoken uh, spoken about um, livable wages. We have spoken about the economic situation not being favorable for the majority and that people are under a lot of pressure trying to keep their heads above water. We have also highlighted the fact that, you know, some people do put their baskets where they can't reach it. We've also made mention of the fact that for some people, you know, they really don't have a burden because some of them live at home and they have little, probably to no, no um, responsibilities. So it boils down to greed. But what is the main cause behind all these fraud cases that are coming to light what's at the root i would be interested we know in the case of jean panton oh and her bail request got denied again um yeah so she will be sitting in jail um in her case she said that she needed the money to pay for her father's um cancer treatment but what else for everyone else what is the root cause what can we attribute all of this to we have the burger king issue is it burger king yeah burger king employees we have beryllium the heists the various heists that have happened 
among others, the gas station attendant, the land, the illegal land sale. It just seems to keep going. And we're not talking $100,000. We're not talking $200,000. We're talking millions of dollars, multi-million dollar schemes. Seprod, with what, 20-something people so far? What's up? Run rising, everybody. Good morning, Afo. Yeah, well, no, we feel like agreed. <laughs> uh, agreed. You know what I mean? Because, yeah, we get to set, we understand so things are everywhere we go, you know what I mean? Even over here, so things are. And we really check it out. No man no need no 200 million to live. You know what I mean? You buy a little three, four bedroom house. You know what I mean? Even two, depends how big the family is. You know what I mean? Uh, a little care for bringing it to and from, you know what I mean? Point A to Z. Um, maybe some little money in your account, you know, for, for pay the bills and all them, something there. You know, but that's not the case. They might go for six and eight million, um, six, six and eight bedroom house, you know, um, three, four high-end car, whether Benz or BMW or Range Rover, and hundreds of millions of dollars or multi-million dollars in them account, and them are brave, uh, live luxury life, you know what I mean? We understand everybody want to live luxury life as well, but at that point, when they match, they just greed when they say I go for them big money there, you get what I say? So it, it, it just reached a point where it just become greed. You know, when it just become greed. Come now, like when me when me dad work with my father pan and truck, we also. You know, we also. You get what I mean, I say? We also one thing I'll forget I look up two or three grand, sometimes five. Alright then. Boom, I will, I will good with that. When I try to lick every single thing and I try to hustle every day for for see if we can make it to hundreds of thousands of dollars and millions. No. But right, but when they see get to that point, they will see them go for them big bracket there, and them say, "Here what? Hundred thousand dollars work, you know? And millions will say, you know? That's straight up greed, straight up greed. You get what I mean? I say, and these dummies, them they realize say eventually, when all these large amount of figures start to go missing, people are gonna start looking. You know what I mean? It might take a while. Cause here, so some of them something like from all twenty eleven and. Um, them something that take place, but what if the, the, the police them just uh, take them local time? I just you know what I mean. I look into stuff. See, like what the FBI do, they make people go and do them thing. Them know you have to do something, you know. Or well, them just uh, take time watching and watch you uh, for catch a bigger fish or see how, how much you can continue. And then them say, All right, then we have enough evidence for the person. We're gonna come in and come sweep them up, you know what I mean. But them big figures that raise his numbers, um, eyebrows, sorry, them raise his eyebrow and eventually people are going to come looking. But them just a live for the now, I say, hear what? It's like them I say, if we forget catch, at least we know that we live certain life or whatever it is, you know what I mean? And if we get catch, I just saw it go. But I just agreed, I just agreed. And I will agree with you, Afro, it has to be greed at the root of it. One of the things, one of the root causes, because when you look at people who are... And not just in Jamaica, this is globally. People who are in 
elite positions or in positions of power, politicians and so forth, they are doing the same thing. Major, major corporations, the same thing. Good morning. Good morning, naturalist. We're just wondering, the person that's in charge of the investigation right now, are, are, they, new, are they new on the job? Are relatively new? We don't know. Because I, I'm wondering if we're the previously, they were just turning a blind high because they were getting their hands greased and their hands not being greased as well. As before. There's just a lot of investigations coming out all of a sudden. So I was just wondering. Oh, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Who's that, Alex? Yeah. Go right ahead. Right. One thing my officer is like, not, not illegal unless they get cut. And there's a lot of loopholes with things, and people exploit these loopholes until they get cut. And that, as I said, that all over the world. This is not new. It go keep happen. If you fix a loophole, then go find other loopholes to exploit. So this is just going to be a continuous thing. And people greedy as well. And the next thing, if Jamaican people not scam, the American man them go take away their woman. I just want to see. <laughs> wow. And it's like American people, if a lot of Americans when they go going back to Jamaica, they want make it seem like them all oh, them travel. So them go dress up in a name brand, this, do this, drive this for sure, so them travel. Show mm -hmm. so them have more. Or, or create the illusion that they have money, Alex. I think. Let me know if y'all are hearing me. Yeah, I'm hearing you. So, okay. like, uh, I'll so, so Alex, I think it's you. You chipped out. Um, morning. Morning, Kalisha. I think that, um, well, perspective may differ here. But I think it shows a sign that the system is working. <clears throat> and here's why. Mm -hmm. We're seeing it happening. So people are getting caught. It shows that something is working right the problem we're having now is that we need to wait to see people are going to be held accountable i think it's it it also paints a picture to the bigger issue of the crime plan that people have been asking for because when you see all of these um <coughs> especially the, the beryllium thingy going on one that that was an inside job had to have been but outside of that these constant multi-million dollar robberies that are going on shows that one there has been some kind of clamp down on the scamming to some extent and so they are now trying to find other means to plug the lifestyles that they have gotten accustomed to it means then that though the security force is doing some things right they now need to find a way to clamp down on these other robberies that are going on but i look at it something good is happening because we are finding out about these issues coming out at the core of it is a hustle culture jamaicans are largely dishonest people so it might be an uncomfortable truth but it is a truth nonetheless you're right yeah, man, very, very dishonest. Always trying to find a way to fleece something or somebody's a hustle culture. You know, we can make a little extra money on the side. Nothing is wrong with it. But if you have to make an extra money on the back of somebody else who don't know, it, it's, it's a criminal mindset that a lot of Jamaicans have. People don't want to admit it, but it is true because you can start out hustling for a small amount. Mm -hmm. But once you, once you start challenging yourself to get a little more, and a little more. You know, one way, Alex, when look at this, like, better them do that than kill each other. Alex, no, because it usually ends up people killing each other. Yeah, but like, if more people, if more of them were killers and murderers, them just say, yo, we don't scam a yeah, man. Yeah, them go buy up gun and more people got dead still, but my feel say, yo, get less, yo. 
No, it doesn't. Because I'm like, Monday than a hundred Monday. Alex, no. I'm sorry. We're going to differ on this. No. <laughs> We're going to agree <laughs> to disagree on this one. Yeah. A hundred Monday than ten Monday. No, because the point is, you, we don't have the exact numbers to assess it. But the reality is a lot of people have died because of scamming. Mm-hmm. Just by application. What do you mean? Me and you in a scamming and something go wrong between the two of us now, my entire family die. What do you even mean by that? And when the guns are coming in, it's not being pointed. These guns are coming in to mark territories and the, the scamming money is being used to fund gangs. You know that. Oh, so we have done scammers, so we need some smart scammers. However you want to put it. The point is Jamaicans are criminals. They have criminal mindset at all sectors. That is the truth. The problem was that there are nothing in place to one, capture them, and two, to be to hold them accountable. What we're seeing is that things are now in place to capture them, but we don't see the accountability as yet. When we get to the point where people are get locked away for a long time where the law is being used as a deterrent, we might see something in it. I will never justify scamming in any way. Mm-hmm. I've seen you before, Alex, in a different space. I will never justify it in any way. It's a terrible thing. And it started out with people simply saying, oh, our reparations. <clears throat> and when they scam white people until they find out, say, them scam my co-worker, our salary, who never enslaved nobody. In fact, we are four parents were slaves. You have people who are scamming people, regular everyday people like me and you are going to people account and a clear out people accounts. It's it's not let's not pretend like we don't understand. Let's not be dense. Come on. So I, I see all points, right? Um I definitely do. Now <laughs> you said an uncomfortable truth. Um and not all. We're not gonna say everybody is like that in Jamaica. Not at all. All right. Um <sighs> But we need a fix. Now, I remember, I think it was, la- was it last week or this week? I don't remember or however. But recently, I did make mention of the fact that could it be, when you look at all these, let's take a look at the real estate um, sector in Jamaica right now, for example. Just yesterday, I spoke about the $1.5 billion um, condominium complex going up in montego bay prior to that i have spoken about the cost of apartments or condos and homes in jamaica in u.s dollars and this has been a trend and everybody wants and i'm not i'm not talking let's let's look at some of these homes that are in gated communities nothing really fabulous about the homes there's very simple homes but everything seems so unattainable and everything is priced as if you only want foreigners to invest. So what's going to happen with the Jamaican people? They're going to say, boy, I'm a one living in a one nice house too, you know. So the money one may I make can't happen. Remember, we ran some figures this week, um, Javet, where you asked what's the annual, what's the average salary? in jamaica and according to google when we did some research average twenty-five thousand us how are you going to take twenty-five thousand us a year and purchase a house for two hundred and fifty thousand us let's be real then you have people complaining about the difficulty 
when it comes to NHT because they're not making enough to be able to even qualify for NHT house. Could it be that we, the people, are allowing this to happen to our own people? When we're pricing things out of range. When you're going to the supermarkets in Jamaica, it's a pure foreign things for the most part. I blame, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I blame the diaspora. Okay. Because why, not all diaspora, but why I said that is because when Jamaicans return into Jamaica, they're trying to like make a statement. It's like when Jamaica, Jamaican people brush for an ego, yo. And it's just that contributed. As I said, them come to Jamaica, them want foreign things. They don't want the Jamaican things. Them used to foreign things mean that are mostly tourists are come down and the diaspora, as I say. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, sorry, but cut off somebody. Oh, Daniel. All right, go, go on, Daniel. Go on. Um, this is multifaceted, and I don't want us to look at it as a, it's just a simplistic solution. For instance, um, if I'm an investor, when I'm in Jamaica or in the diaspora and I'm investing my money, I would go for the highest return on my investment. And if I could sell a property where I could make mega profits, it takes something as a personal goal for me to sell it at a reduced price so that I help out people. Remember, we basically capitalistic when it comes to that, you know? So unless the government is doing a, a real initiative and partnering with people and they say, okay, we do X amount of homes that are affordable at this price, you know, and we organize funding and stuff as a public good, or somebody just do it out of the goodness of the heart, you can't really be mad with an investor who wants to get the highest return on his money and, and price according to the market. So for instance, I could, instead of building houses in, the, the local communities and probably make a, a fair profit, I could build a gated community with that same amount of money. And even if I sell half the house in that community, I make more profit and the rest would sell eventually. Or I will just have it there as my asset to pass on to do something with it. You see, so you have to understand that aspect also. Then you're looking at the gentleman made a point where he said he blamed the diaspora. And it's a point I've always point, um, hit to with Jamaica. If you're coming from the diaspora, not only that you want a decent life, but you can also be a target. So you want to go to a, an area where you feel secured, you know, where there is a certain level of security. And of course, you, you want to live a nice life because to you, you work, you, you earn that. Now, if the government could do something to reduce the crime in some of the communities, then what you find is that people that's coming back from the diaspora, tourists alike, will tend to visit those communities more. And the community as a whole would, would benefit. So when I go to Jamaica, instead of I stay in an all-inclusive hotel, where the hotel take all my money and then expatriate it back to the U.S. and where the other investors are from, I could decide to stay at a local Airbnb because I'm, I feel safe. I could interact and eat at the, the, the local shops, you know, so I support the local business. I could take a local taxi because I don't have to fear for being robbed and stuff like that. And then the entire community would grow. So there are a lot of things here to, to unpeel when we start looking at, at the, the basis of what's going on. You understand? And these are, these are what the government have to look at as a policy initiative 
and what Jamaicans have to look at as to what they want and how are they going to form the synergies necessary to get what is required for all concerned. All right. Thank you, Dono. We can take another comment before we move on. Go ahead, Afo. Yeah. I um, wouldn't blame the diaspora, them, like for real, because um, just as I said before, coming over here, I've seen some of the simple, simple things will make certain transactions easier, certain li- uh, or make your life look easier. You come over here, you, you, sp- you, you, you over here for much years and stuff like that, and you have that at your fingertip. When you go back home, you're going to want to try to have that as, as well. You know what I mean? Now, certain things, I probably can't do nothing about it. But which way you going to live, as what Daniel said, you're going to want, as, and not only that, not only you want safety, that's like the main thing, you want safety. So you're going to say, oh, you know, I'm going to want a decent neighborhood. But I'm going to say, all right, then, I'm not going to worry myself. If I do decide to go back and forth, or, you know what I mean? I'm not going to place, I'm not going to worry about nobody that comes broken our place and stuff like that. So you look for like Haiti community or some really nice, decent enough neighborhood. Um, second, you get a, a place where um, you have a hot water. You know what I mean? <laughs> you, you, over here, you use your hot water. So going back here, you say, oh, you know, I want a place where I have nice hot water and stuff like that. And if you say you probably want to throw up some um, solar panel on top of it, and I do that. Not every diaspora come back I look for this gigantic type of house type of situation some people just want a local gated community and they know them have them water heater and them place gated and them can travel back and forth lock up them place and have to worry or say oh, them place are going to get um, broken into or them try to drive or go back home from some venue or whatever it is and then man trail them and do them things because them here say yo them are foreigner are returnee so they must have almost thousands of dollars and US chew down here the house some way <laughs> you get what I say so for the main part are, are, are just safety and not everybody try to live that high extravagant type of life you get me I say some people just want to look a decent home and some security and, and, and that's about it so when I go say I blame um, the diaspora them when I, I never say that all right okay i want to say thank you to everyone for your input in this conversation and i'm sure it's going to come up again at another time because guaranteed next week there is going to be a story about fraud and we're going to have the opportunity to continue but before i move on to the next story i just want to read a comment from the chat uh dre and dre this is something that we have said so many times that the government needs to raise the pay and provide more opportunities for employment the problem is people are not getting paid enough and there's not enough opportunities all right thank you everyone next up um okay here we go tensions rising in pnp's southeast saint john constituency organization this story also courtesy of nationwide radio tensions are rising in the pnp constituency organization in southeast saint Anne over the party's selection of wavel hines and i hope i pronounced his name correct to be its standard bearer at the next general elections Matters came to a head last week when outgoing Member of Parliament Lisa Hanna rebuffed a request from the party's General Secretary, Dayton Campbell, for a meeting with key party functionaries in the former PNP rural stronghold.
Ms. Hanna, who is walking away from representational politics after four terms at the helm of the constituency, accused the party executive of seeking to disenfranchise her delegates with its ratification of Hines as the standard bearer. Ricardo Brooks has more in this report. PNP executive moved to offer former cricketer turned politician Wavell Hines to delegates as its candidate in the PNP heartland of Southeast St. Anne. This after a Don Anderson poll showed him as the clear favorite to succeed Hannah in the constituency. Hines secured nearly 50% of the declared preference to Kenneth Russell's 9%. The poll found that just under 9% of respondents would give Patricia Duncan Sutherland the nod in the constituency. Eager to head off a contentious delegate selection, the party executive is moving to have Hines confirmed as a standard bearer for a seat they've never lost in a contested general election. But that decision has not gone down well with several prominent comrades in the constituency, including the incumbent MP Lisa Hanna. A series of email exchanges tell the tale. Nationwide has obtained copies of the correspondence. The party secretariat wrote to Miss Hanna on April 15 requesting a meeting tomorrow with the constituency executive, divisional leadership, and cluster managers. Hannah responded to indicate she would not accept the request for a meeting as no purpose was outlined by the general secretary. On April 18, the PMP secretariat advised Miss Hannah that the meeting was intended to discuss where the party was with the selection process for parliamentary candidates and the next steps to be taken. Hannah again rebuffed the request for a meeting noting that the party executive had deliberately disenfranchised delegates in southeast St. Anne and was only now seeking to notify the constituency and divisional executives of its decision. In her missive, Hannah flatly told the PMP secretariat she would not support what she described as a uniquely undemocratic exclusionary candidate selection process. But the party is maintaining Hines must win final approval from the delegates. Hannah says she will not support the denial of constitutional rights of PMP delegates to participate in the decision-making of the constituency and the party. Repeated calls to Miss Hannah this afternoon went unanswered. Calls placed to PMP General Secretary Dayton Campbell and Party Chairman Angela Brown-Burke also went unanswered. When contacted for comment, Wavell Hines declined, noting he was in a meeting. Prominent PMP activist Marvin Matthews attempted to rally comrades in the constituency to reject the party's selection process in arriving at Hines as the preferred candidate. A number of us will be heading to Claremont on Thursday to show our disapproval for this process. We're not showing disapproval behind any particular candidate. We're showing our disapproval for the system and the, the way in which the party is handling the process. It is the right of each member of every group in Southeast Centre to vote for their candidate of their choice. And that is what we believe in. Councillor for the Bensonton Division in the constituency, Lydia Richards, confirmed that she was aware of the planned meeting tomorrow and would be attending. When asked whether Hines had been confirmed as the party's standard bearer in the constituency, she offered this response. Well, I think that is why we're having this meeting. Yes, I think that is why we're having the meeting that they're calling. I, I think so. So why don't you talk to the party? Councillor Richards refused to be drawn on Lisa Hanna's refusal to attend the planned meeting. 
but but you are aware of a planned meeting, yes? Yes. And you are aware that the member of parliament wrote back to say she will not attend. I won't speak to that. No, that's that's not my business. Okay, but okay, but are you aware of a correspondence between the MP and the secretariat? I will not speak to nothing to that. I am going to go to the meeting because the party has called a meeting, and uh, no matter what happens when the party calls a meeting, you go to the meeting. That's that's what I know. Miss Richards and the other three councillors in the constituency, Lloyd Garrick, Ian Bell and Lambert Ware, are all reportedly supporting Heinz's candidacy to succeed Miss Hannah. Up to Newstein, Patricia Duncan Sutherland was unavailable for comment. Ricardo Brooks for Nationwide News. Oh boy, Nationwide says the PNP executive moved to offer former cricketer-turned-politician Wavell Hines to delegates to... What is this? To Y'all need to rewrite your things. Yeah, I'm not going to read the rest of that sentence. But um, I think this is something that is plaguing the People's National Party, the, the ability to just get it together. Just get it together, folks. If you people are serious about trying to get back in power, right now, how no go on not, not really not shaping, not shaping up for that? Whatever scuffles you're not having, try and keep it quiet so the world don't have to know about it. But sort yourselves out. Lisa Hanna has done great work in her um, division while there. I will give her that. Um, some people feel not enough, but you know you can never please people, right? And we, we, we don't realize that things take time. Sometimes a little too much time, <laughs> ask me I, I always complain that things take too long to get done in jamaica but nonetheless she has done great work in that constituency but sort out on the issues um pnp and get it together otherwise i don't have no hope of ever getting back into the positions that you so seek next up um ex-prime minister tj patterson that's ex-Prime Minister of Jamaica, folks, um, slams, hypo slams hypocrites in Haiti. Okay, then. Former Prime Minister PJ Patterson says those who pe preach democracy yet prevent it from happening are hypocrites. Hmm. The former Prime Minister was speaking Wednesday at the State of the Black World Conference in Baltimore, Maryland. And we have a soundbite for him. Democracy will remain an unfinished project and development an elusive aspiration in this hemisphere so long as violence and chaos remain pervasive in Haiti. The tragedy that becomes more acute and obdurate in a CARICOM member state with each passing day reveals the sheer hypocrisy of those who tout democratic values and yet it according to their own narrow self-interest. Hold on. Did I hear him mispronounce two words? Or is it my ears playing trick tricks? See, I know I'm not mispronouncing two. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Tragedy and what was the other one? <laughs> I'm sorry. Lord, forgive me. I, I have issues. With each passing day reveals the sheer hypocrisy of those who tout democratic values and yet stifle it according to their own narrow self-interest 
The former prime minister believes through a fair electoral process, Haiti will achieve civil obedience. Civil order must be restored with an electoral process to choose Haitian leadership that derives its legitimacy from the Haitian people themselves. That was former Prime Minister P.J. Patterson. <laughs> and I'm laughing, <laughs> Virginia, because I laugh at myself all the time. I think y'all hear me when the time I mess up on a word or me can't pronounce the word. Me not afraid to call myself out. <laughs> oh, boy. But, okay. All right. I didn't know he was still active. I thought I heard he was not well. Okay. I guess he's out and about. The government and NHT to provide over 70,000 units or 70,000 units to address housing deficit. Over 100,000 homes are needed in Jamaica. That's the revelation of um, Prime Minister Andrew Holness. According to Prime Minister Holness, the government, alongside the National Housing Trust, NHT, will provide 70,000 units to help solve the housing crisis. In Jamaica, we estimate that we have a housing deficit of over 100,000 units. The government has said that we will build, rather we will provide 70,000 solutions to the housing market. The NHT is here with me and the NHT has committed to provide 43,000 housing solutions of that 70,000. The Prime Minister says the land selection process is also a key factor that impacts the pace of construction of housing development. It is not a simple task, ladies and gentlemen. First of all, we need to identify the lands. Persons listening will say, There's, you have so many acreages of idle land across Jamaica. But the challenge is not all lands are for housing. We cannot give up good agricultural land or good commercial land for housing. And then, of course, you know the terrain of Jamaica. It is very hilly. And if you don't select good terrain, then the cost of the housing will increase. So we, we have to identify what I would call that sweet spot in selecting the land. Prime Minister Andrew Holness. I agree you cannot just put houses any and anywhere. There are also... Um, besides preserving land for agriculture, you also have to think about um, the, what is it, water table? You also have to think about the, the environment. You know, for those of you who live in South Florida or have traveled to South Florida, you notice we hardly have any trees. And I must say, I applaud Georgia for preserving as much of the green space that they can. I forgot the, the percentages, but when, I, when we were living up in Georgia, um, if you buy acreage, you can only cut down a certain percentage of the trees. Not like down here. You flatten everything, and then them come back and plant to palm tree or to whatever. Um, so I agree with him. You have to be careful, and it can also be costly depending on where you are planning to build these homes. All right, next up, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Donald. And Donald and then James. Okay, a moment. I could give him a, a, a solution yes. to, to get some of the units out there. Of ten time, I think if we have to have people or we have to make changes, we have to go out there, acquire land, buy the land, do all the stuff. Listen, there is a lot of people 
in impoverished areas that own their land. Mm -hmm. Do a survey. See how much of these people actually have the legal titles and stuff for the land. And work with those people. You legitimize the title process. And then you take that funding and you help them to improve the current structures. There might be case where there might be family where you could put in multi 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 um, structured units mm -hmm. that could that can help, and multiple families could benefit depending on the their arrangements. There are cases where people already have a structure in place and it might be easier just to 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 fortify it and bring it up to code and up to standard. That will cut down on your costs also. So it's not always about going to find some place where we could get X amount, a hundred thousand new units and stuff. Sometimes it's not feasible. Mm -hmm. There are already places where the land and everything is there. People already have the property. People own the land. Help them out. And by so doing, you would redistribute the world better within the communities. You understand? And you could even look for, to help more volunteers and stuff with them. Because if you go into a community and somebody's getting a house, the rest of the neighbors might volunteer to help. So this could really cut your costs. And then you could do much more units because you don't have to acquire everything. That's a good suggestion. Very good suggestion. Very good suggestion. <laughs> you know, Donald, the funny thing is that they're not going to look at it that way. They're going to try to say how they can take it from you. Yeah, that's the that's the sad part. But I, I, I think it's something that is worth presenting. I think it's a great idea. I think it is a great idea. Yeah. Hold on, Afo. Hold on, Afo. It's James, and then you can go. Go ahead, uh, James. Yeah, morning, morning, everyone. Good morning. Yeah, I think, I don't know why um the government, why they move away from the high rise, because in the 70s they started it. And I believe that, you know, with all these foreign companies, um, in Jamaica, building, building these, um, you know, luxury condo and stuff like that, you know, like they can get assistance from from some of these people, or, or even engineers that that work overseas and, and and move back home to, you know, develop because the the high rise building in Tivoli and um, some of them in like Rima and those areas, like when those were built back in the seventies, those were seen as like almost like luxurious affordable housing type because it was something different and that was that was like what 50 years ago so you know to i think they could improve on them because a lot of countries now are going high rise you know um countries that are struggling with with, with land space you know high rise is a good cure for that so i think they should go you know because like some places, like when you build out an era, like say you'd build like twenty houses in 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 one plot of land, that same same plot of land could could be like two three hundred units of high rise, um, and you know better usage of space, and I feel like yeah, like we're adapting so much from from um, what people in other countries are doing, which is a good thing, but. If we're going to adapt some of the luxurious stuff that's going to cost a lot, adapt everything, like a lot of these developers, because I know for in, in Canada, I think I mentioned it already, when a developer is developing a community 
um, by law, I think they have to um, add a school to it. And they have a thing called like um, like a school tax that's ad that um, added to the to the unit that um, if you're you're purchasing, um, some of that money is going to to go to developing the school, and also like make sure like drainage and 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 everything is good. But in Jamaica, like we're just building um, stuff and there's no water, there's no proper water supply. There's no proper sewage supply. There's no schools in those areas. So, like, if, if you're going to allow developers to come in and, and develop and make billions of dollars, at least hold them to account to develop schools in, in certain areas and, 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 you know, proper water supply. Yeah, but I feel the high-rise high is the way to go. All right. Thank you, James. Go right ahead, Afro. Oh, no. I'm just going to say the half of having our own government is still on the table, you know what I mean? So... Yeah, that's not a <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for your comments. Next up, Starbucks Mall Plaza, first to be certified under Greener Store Frame. Story courtesy of Jamaica.loopnews.com. Starbucks Mall Plaza has become the first location locally to be certified under the brand's Greener Store Framework aimed at reducing its environmental impact and ensuring sustainable practices and materials. Hold on, I'm trying to wrap my head around where this is located. Kalisha, is this where um, Island Grill used to be on Constant Spring Road across from Village Plaza? Across from where Island Grill is, directly across okay. where we're... Okay. Oh, so it's across. So Island Grill is still there. You remember Go West where Go West used yes, to be? Yes, yes. That space where Go West used to be. Okay, all right. Yeah, I remember Go West, the official um, carrier of guest jeans. <laughs> and it... there, no. There, there what? Yeah, that's where Starbucks is on the mall now. It's in that space. Okay. Does Go West still exist in Jamaica, by the way? I don't even know. No. 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 That's how <laughs> a long, 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 long time ago, right? <laughs> yeah, go west in the 90s. Oh boy. Anyway, okay. So the company's greener store framework is intended to reduce global carbon emissions, water usage, and waste sent to landfills by 50%. By 2030, Starbucks operates in Jamaican outlets in partnership with Caribbean Coffee Traders Limited. The Mall Plaza Greener Store adheres to the Starbucks Greener Store framework through a more efficient use of resources, including water waste management, use of responsible materials and sustainable waste management techniques. It said the location is designed to reduce water usage by 30% through a combination of proper sizing of water heaters, filters, low-flow plumbing fixtures and processes, and is fully outfitted with LED lighting fixtures. Okay, the picture is pretty, I will say that. <laughs> How much for Starbucks in Jamaica? Alicia, you can tell us because I'm, I'm just trying to wrap my head around the economics. <coughs> I'm not sure. I'm not a big Starbucks fan, but it's on par with the U.S. It's not very different. You accept that our dollar value. So whatever it is there, just do it at 150. It's okay. the same. Well, okay. Mm -hmm. And are they usually yeah. packed? Hold on a second, James. Are they usually packed? Oh, absolutely. I just today I saw someone was talking about how that very one on the mall is now very packed every day with so initially starbucks was thought to be directed at a particular demographic of mm -hmm, people mm -hmm. but 
one on the mall has stripped that away completely because you have a lot of students, a lot of children. Children? Um, high, yes, high school are there every day. I've told it's jam-packed. You see why scamming can't done, Kalisha? Sorry. Yeah, true. So a lot of them are there. Mm-hmm. Students. And hold on a second, James. I soon get you. And when you say students, so I saw a video um, with some students. I think it's at Campion. Is it mm-hmm. Campion? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, with them Pellegrino water, them Louis Vuitton um belt and i was like whoa okay then <laughs> yeah but and children are also different because their parents have money mm-hmm. that's true that is yeah, true demographic is different um but remember that for the others starbucks is seen as a status symbol mm-hmm. not just but globally it's the brand itself is a status symbol so people do whatever they have to do to get in on it so, so yeah Hence my point, scamming Naga Don at Jamaica because everybody's going to try to keep up with the Joneses. Go right ahead, James. Yeah, no, I was saying um, the the last time I went there, I think I paid like $600 and I, I cried when I was spending it <laughs> for, <laughs> for Starbucks. Um, but I don't know why Starbucks in Jamaica though. Like I, because... Because Jamaica love foreign things, what do you mean? Because, you know, it's, yeah, as Kalisha said, it's a status symbol. And, and pretty soon you, you, you're going to see people like drinking the Starbucks and then tie a string around it and put you on them neck for sure. So them are drinking Starbucks. <laughs> you know? It's in Jamaica. It's, it's not necessary. No, seriously, it's, it's not necessary because, like, even, even here, like, when you go to some of the, the school areas and you see the school kids lining up, and you know, like, because, Jamaicans are the bossy set of people. You know, them are going to walk with the cup and hold it up over them head face since them are drink Starbucks. You know, and like they're, they're better coffee companies in Jamaica. They, you know, like there's a company, I think it was Java or Java Coffee, whatever. There's a lot of better companies that I'm sure like half the price. Um, because what I find here too, like is certain set of people drink Starbucks here. Like a lot of the... Um, Portuguese and, and um, Italian people, you're not going to find them in Starbucks. They're going to the, because there's a lot of Portuguese, Italian um, delis here in Toronto. And it's like half the price for like a, a latte or, or something like that that you'd pay at Starbucks. And it's and it's better coffee, half the price. And that's where they're going. So I don't know why it's there though. <laughs> it's too expensive. <laughs> um, I'm not promoting any brand, but when we were there, had breakfast at this, um, it's a tasty owned restaurant. Is it Brood? Is the name of it on Hope Road? Um, yeah. Brood. Okay. So it was three of us, myself, my husband and his cousin. We went there for breakfast. Really good. Co- well, for me, the coffee was good. The breakfast. So I had... Oh my gosh, it was so much damn food. There were, I, I can tell, there were waffles, pancakes. Um, Lord of mercy. May I have a video on the food number four that we can't, but I look for it right now. But let me say, it was a lot. And I thought it was re- very reasonable because for the three of us, the breakfast came to what? $5,000. How much is that in US? Uh, 5000 divided by, well, call it one fifty. That's approximately $42.34. Blows and skirt, James. You have a walking calculator. 
Yeah, when I think so, Jeffet the pan that right away, you know what I mean? <laughs> He's trying to he's trying to take my job, but I'm in the car, so it's all good. It's all good. So that came out to thirty three dollars, um, approximately thirty three US, right? If you do it at one fifty to one, um, and it wasn't bad. And the only thing I will knock them for is you have to pay for a refill. It was I have I had black coffee. I I wanted another cup, and no lie, the first was it there yeah no black coffee ordered another one and i had to pay five hundred dollars for the other one but i enjoyed the service the girl the young lady let me not call her girl the young lady that um took our order she was very pleasant and i'm not gonna lie having gone lord of mercy i don't want not nobody but went to a very popular spot on the north coast in saint anne for dinner um the night and the, i'm gonna say this the service sucked really sucked um i think it's just over here we get bad attitude in jamaican restaurants but i must say i was pleasantly surprised with the young lady she was very pleasant and i i actually said to her you know i would appreciate if you could just go around and train people customer service training you know, and she smiled. The servers were pleasant. I don't know if that's everybody's experience. I know them never know self far and where I come from because we talk like a Jamaica with there. But um, yeah, I enjoy. It was a lot of food, brewed by Tasty. It's right there on Hope Road, close to what's the school? Saint Peter and Paul. Um, what's another location that it's close to? Yes, Lydon. Close to Avon Center. Right. Yeah. Close to the U.S. Embassy. Thank you. Yeah. So we had to go up and turn and come back around. Yeah. Yeah. So um there to me, there are better options than Starbucks. But then again, me broke, so I'm staying at my um price point. I'm spoken I'm spoken. You see we're of a trouble people like Virginia said. I'm speaking from a Brook Packet person perspective. Go ahead, Donald. Listen, we have Blue Mountain Coffee that we hail as one of the best in the world. Why don't we do like Colombia, ban Starbucks? Because Colombia banned Starbucks and they have one Valdez, which is a local brand that does very well. And from all intents and purposes, it's very high quality. So these are some of the stuff we have to look at from a policy perspective. You yeah. understand? If you have Blue Mountain Coffee, you don't, you don't have to ban it. You don't have to ban Starbucks, but you have to put a price or tariff on them so high that it makes no sense coming. Mm -hmm. Or if they do come, you make a lot of money. Get a local Blue Mountain coffee chain and sell it locally and internationally and brand it. So when you come to Jamaica, you would want to try Blue Mountain coffee. Mm -hmm. We have to stop importing everything. And I, you're right, Donald, and I don't see why we can't set up shop to yes, mimic... A Blue, Mountain, a Blue Mountain coffee chain, the same thing. You could, you could just copy-paste Starbucks, but just change change your name. You understand? And make it a brand to be reckoned with. Yeah. You would provide jobs. You would sell the coffee. You would, you would affect the industry. Everything. So, everything. I agree. I agree. I think for that experience, um, I have a cousin. She, she, she really goes off the beaten track in Jamaica a lot, and she puts it up on um, IG. But she goes up to... Oh my gosh, what's that place? Irish Town, where they have what's the name of the strawberry 
What's the name of it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they don't, it's not Starbucks, but the barista and everything looked so damn good. I would go there versus going to Starbucks. Can oh, we? Um, Cafe Brew. Cafe Blue, yes. Yeah, you have another coffee house called Brood. You have Defcan. There are quite a few local coffee um, shops in Jamaica. So, again, Starbucks being in Jamaica is not about um, Jamaican products not being used. It's literally that they have a market here because of the status of the brand. Mm-hmm. I would knock it. If the market is here, you go and, and deal with it. And it works. Um, they had a... They have... I don't think they'll be there for long where they put their Starbucks on the mall, that new location. Um, there's a little coffee shop in the corner of the mall, and I know it's going to completely kill that coffee shop. Ooh. When I saw that, I was there one day when I passed, and I realized Starbucks is coming here, and that was my first thought. Like, at best, I give this coffee shop another year before they have to shut down. Um, Kelisha, what would be your recommendation for them to pivot and be able to stay open? Any suggestions that you could give them? Because I don't like to see the small businesses close out really and truly um and i think they have a niche they are able to carve out a niche for themselves um because some people like the boutique feel it's more intimate it's more private not everybody wants to be in the um spotlight what are your thoughts on that is there a way for them to survive well for them the location is very small very very small your only i think your only way of survival would be to make it into a workspace where people can come in and work and just get coffee or by the way. But as it is now, based on how that's... Is it me or is it Kalisha? Oops. Uh, thank you, sir. Okay, so Kalisha... Oh, she got a call. Okay. Because I don't... And this is the problem I have, um, Donnell. When these international brands come into the country and then suck the life out of the mom-and-pop stores, so to speak. I don't like that. Um, it's not fair, and you're right. The government needs to look out for the, the, the small business owner because what's going to happen eventually? Go ahead, Donald. Because I cannot come in here and compete with some popular U.S. brand, even when the U.S. government is subsidizing that brand. You understand? Yeah. So sometimes it's not just about getting the brand name investors in or so. Sometimes we have to look to protect certain industries, and it happens all, especially here in the U.S. You understand? They will either find some way to keep you out or put you, make it that it's not feasible for you to really come to compete with what they consider to be their brands. You understand? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's difficult to ask the, the mom and pop coffee shops to um, to compete with the Starbucks. And I understand what Kelly should say about the... the um, the brand and recognition and stuff like that. But guess what? If you work with a nice local brand or consortium of, of people where you, you, you standardize it and everybody benefited from one kind of marketing platform and so on and purchasing and distribution and so on, it could become a giant brand in the future. We sometimes have to look forward and not at the moment. As it, as it stands, yes, you might say Starbucks would employ some people, but it will be a few compared to if you create a consortium or some national brand where there is a host of small coffee shops providing quality coffee 
uh, and projects to, to the community. Mm-hmm. And yes, people may like this type of but guess what? They will get used to the local brand. And once they get an affinity to it, just the same way they will drink red strap beer compared to something else, we will get there. But sometimes these things take foresight and vision, and we have to work along those lines. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Go ahead, Afro, and then Afro, then James, and then we're going to move on. Uh, Cafe, uh, Cafe Blue, um, uh, when I went there in December with my mm-hmm. wife. Yeah. She's a coffee head, so like the coffee. <laughs> but um, she um, went there and it, it, it was it was a nice setting, you know. They serve breakfast, different type of coffee. Them have uh, like a work section, like or a section where you can just yes. come in, plug yeah. up and just do your local thing yeah. on your laptop. I see like um, uh, I guess they're college students or persons who maybe look they, they look young, like they recently left college and start work and do them local thing. And come in and them just open up them laptop or them tablet and start get to work, order them coffee and a little muffin. Persons who live in that area, you talk by Kansan Spring, beside uh, um, that plaza out by Kansan Spring, beside um, uh, Imma- uh, Immaculate, Immaculate and the, the, the tax office. Oh, you're talking there, so about Manor Park? No, not not so far. Um, okay. Not so far up. Right, Ushpa Kansan Spring tax office there. And then they're right beside the Algar School, um, Immaculate. Imma- Immaculate Conception, yeah, I know where you're talking. Yeah, that, the plaza. So there was a Cafe Blue over there, uh, Wendy's and them supermarkets. And I guess persons who live in that area, um, you know, them middle, upper middle class or middle class person, they come down and they got their coffee and them out there sitting down and talk and who do them work, who come in for get some kind of breakfast special and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. they made that one good. So I guess that that can compete with other local coffee spot, uh, you know what I mean? Um, because I, I think that's what Starbucks offer, that local work station type of thing. You can just come in and just the free Wi-Fi and they do your thing and work and drink your coffee and you know and then they get going so um but as well uh, was it kelisha mm-hmm. yeah um it, it's just a status thing oh starbucks foreign okay come. i think the one you're talking about is in the super value center mm, yeah um, i think that's where it is yeah yeah so it's just a status thing for real you know the college kids them like you know university kids them and uh, you know, them just go link up and same like TGIF. When TGIF, them, them target a certain demographic, you know, <laughs> them rich kids and, and stuff like that, uh, and college kids and, and so forth, you know. So it was a huge thing, it was a hangout spot. Even right now, TGIF is a hangout spot for them upper middle class kids and them college kids and stuff like that, you know what I mean? So I, um, Starbucks just do the same thing, target those group of people. But if the local one they will offer better coffee and at a more reasonable price, have some of those features, free Wi-Fi and a look at this area if you do your work and then they get going. I mean, I, I don't think they will probably go to business. Um, they will probably give them a little run for the money, I guess, you know, hopefully. So that, that, that are some of those um, local, local spots you can look into. Yeah, yeah thank you, Afo. So to answer um, Tasha's question, so Cafe Blue, they do sell 100% Jamaican Blue Mountain coffee. You can get the whole bean, um, the whole beans. It comes in different sizes, 454 grams. You can get that for 54 US dollars, um, 227 grams, $30. Um, and then they have the blends, 
for you can get for 25 us and 16 us um those are the whole beans if you're talking about coffee that is ground you can get um a hundred percent blue mountain jamaica blue mountain coffee for 54 dollars or $30, depending on the size that you opt for. And if you're looking for a blend, which is, so the blend is not 100% Jamaica Blue Mountain Coffee. Okay, there's a difference. Um, the blend is $25 and $16. And they also have the pods, the 100% Jamaica Blue Mountain Coffee pods, $26.80 for 12 pods for your Keurig. And um, if it is the blend, you can get 12 pods for $17.50, and that's available through CafeBlue.com. Yeah, so they're still there, but sold through other um, retailers. Okay, interesting. All right, I, I'm, I'm all about supporting local as much as we can, you know, and build local. Go right ahead, James, and then we're going to move on. Yeah, I, I think the Starbucks thing is is like gonna be like an unfair dis unfair advantage to like you know disadvantage to those um smaller places and especially too because like it's it's owned by a, a jamaican and a billionaire who have a lot of people in his pocket already so he's gonna have like an advantage to spread all over the place and and you know kick a lot of these places out even though the product is is inferior like they might have three are three are so good product but overall it's inferior like their, their pastry is like you know nothing like a home home baked banana bread or whatever their pastry is just like sugar and and thing and i'm not not sure if they're sourcing their their, their stuff because it would be crazy if, if we're getting sandwich from america shipped to jamaica <laughs> that would be another case but yeah it's, it's just not a fear it's just not fair to those small business and i'm um, I'm kind of disappointed that um, that Adam kind of made that move, you know, to 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 throw that in in the market and and when all of these small business is going to be affected. So yeah, it's just unfair. Um, yeah, that's what you're saying. Not Grant can't be mad at him because the truth is he's satisfying a demand, and that's what companies do, right? They satisfy a demand. I just think that there needs to be some restrictions put in place. All right okay next up carnival is still the talk of the town carnival is triggering tourism and an economic boom Minister of Culture, Gender, Entertainment and Sport, Olivia Babsy-Grange, will be meeting with Minister of Tourism, Edmund Bartlett, to see how they can convince investors to provide more rooms in Kingston to accommodate the large and growing number of visitors who flock the island for Carnival Week. Carnival Week featured a series of parties and events which ended on Sunday with the Carnival Road March. Thousands of patrons flocked to each event, expensive as some of them were and just to let you know the broke the broke girl are in jamaica as we said the broke gal edition would run you 200 and something thousand jamaican dollars if you were looking to be 
in costume and all okay just saying that's the broke girl edition minister grange who attended a few of the events including wet fet on saturday at sabina park in kingston and the road march the following day told the jamaica observer that jamaica will soon begin to rival trinidad when it comes to hosting carnival as a result there is an urgent need for hotels and spaces to accommodate the anticipated influx of visitors to kingston Carnival in Jamaica is growing and is growing rapidly. It is impacting on the economy and it's really creating a demand for more rooms in Kingston and especially with Michelle Montano and the connection now where it is almost a grand link up with the Caribbean. Carnival in Jamaica can only get stronger. We need more rooms because we're going to need to provide a lot more offerings outside of just Carnival Day. There are many attractions we're going to have to create because we have people coming from all over the world and from the Caribbean as well. I think Carnival in Jamaica will rival Carnival in Trinidad with our fusion of soca and reggae. We have two great genres that we can offer in a more substantial way than anyone else in the world. Minister Bartlett and I work closely together and with Carnival, Reggae and Dance All, we'll build that brand. We will also be able to say we're contributing tremendously to the economy and tourism. All right. Do not try to, do not try to compete with Trinidad. I'm gonna say that and leave that right there. Go ahead, Donna. No, I think that was a brilliant spin that he used that. Because now he get people talking about carnival in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. Other than that carnival in Jamaica comment goes, but when you say you're gonna rival Trinidad, then you create a debate, it goes on social yeah, media. We don't want that. So no, no, but I think it's good. It's good for the brand because people start to talk about carnival in Jamaica. Listen, yeah, you see, you see what's going on on social media with the Donald of between the Trinidadians mm -hmm. and the Jamaicans? There is of enough course. going on. That is good. That is good for Jamaica. That is good for the brand. That is good for the promotion of because if you ask me what carnival in Jamaica, I'll be like, what? Mm -hmm. What carnival and what Jamaica? If you talk about Sunsplash or something like that, but you know, so it's good. It's good. Stick a pin. Stick a pin, Donald. Should we be singing Happy Birthday to Crystal? Crystal, is it your birthday? It's your birthday. It's my birthday tomorrow. Tomorrow. I'm yeah, I'm celebrating from here to the end of the month because my son's birthday is Wednesday and my daughter's birthday is um, next Saturday. So go, Shadi. It's your birthday. Here we go. Party like it's your birthday. I can't sing. <laughs> Happy Crystal. birthday, Crystal. Happy Crystal, birthday. Crystal, are you Taurus? Yes, I'm a Taurus. Okay, cool. I'm Taurus too. Taurus people are the coolest in the world. That's right. <laughs> You're Taurus, James? When when is your birthday, James? The twenty fourth. Of this month? April. Oh, okay. Yeah, next next week. Yeah, moments, you know that Marshall Montana was at the second carnival in Jamaica. How old is this guy? He's and young. He's still, he's still, still young. Yeah, no, but he's still because I remember you. You remember when he was in the group Aesthetic? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and most people, like people that are 30 uh, and um, under don't don't even know about that. He's like, younger than me. Huh? He's younger than me. He's he's a year younger than me. He's 48 years old. No, but because Jamaica Carnival is what, 30? 30. 30. 
Jamaica Carnival has been going on since I want to say eighty nine ninety. Yeah, cause I I remember I remember <laughs> I remember incident because he came to the second carnival when he was um in the group Estatic and we were at is it Cinema Two, the concert at Cinema Two and he was performing and his his snake fall out and out and pants. Oh and the Lord, girl. have mercy, James. <laughs> the things you remember. No, but the, <laughs> what am I gonna do with you, James? The, the second, yeah, the, the second carnival. So, I'm because I know, I know he started performing like from he was like ten or twelve, something like that. He's yeah, he started. Um, I want to say nine in the eighties, late eighties, the latter part of the eighties. Um, he was, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he was the youngest finalist to ever win a Caribbean yeah. um song festival. So he he's been. At yeah, this he's, for he's, a long time. He's a, he's a veteran. My yeah. gosh, like yeah, yeah. Thirty yeah, years he grew later, up, he grew yeah. up in it. Yeah. Remember when he came out with um, this year too young to soak He was really, really small, young at that time. Wow, but you know who? Um, you know, <laughs> Julie said they say too young to soak Um, you know who is good? Bungie Garland. Um, I saw a clip of him. That somebody posted up where they needed a vehicle moved. And this is just um Saturday, the Saturday night before the road match. He was performing and they needed to have a vehicle removed, somebody's car. And that man freestyle right the so on the stage. I was like, I'll be damned. Yeah, so we have some really great um soca artists out of the Eastern Caribbean, you know. And to for for back to Michelle longevity, longevity. And I know um Teflon Sam I go play three hours a soca Saturday Lord. Me for go pray for my legs because I'ma turn the speakers them up. God bless my neighbors who no one here can lift them yard because me I go turn the speaker them right up and get on with myself. That's all I'ma say on that part. Gila <laughs> said my knees hurting in advance <laughs> summer is around the corner so I need this and my must lose some weight my stomach supposed to flat 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 flatter than a pancake when me done Saturday thank you in advance um, Teflon I know he ain't here now but yeah um, yeah so it is something for them to definitely take up and run with it <laughs> as the song says Take it up. I'll run with it. Definitely. Don't miss out on the opportunity. Now, what I will say is this. Um, driving around some parts of Kingston, um, the Constant Spring area, there are quite a few homes that have been replaced on their plots of land and have been turned into mini high rises, right? So probably eight, 12 apartments work with these people if to see if they are willing to do some airbnb if they're not going to rent out everything to long-term rentals just uh, i'm just thinking off the top of my head but don't concentrate everything in kingston because kingston is already overpopulated what you would what i what i would suggest you do um babsy is in talking with mr bartlett 
spread it out to other parts of the island. So everywhere can make a little money too, you know. And people might say, no, because you know, in, in, in some first time, I'm going get the money and Trelawney and what have you. But it's a, I think it's a great opportunity to spread it out across the island so that everybody can eat something. Ocherios is a, um, a 30-minute ride via the new highway. So people can stay in Ocherios as well. Give other people the opportunity to make some money, not just the folks in Kingston and St. Andrew. Just a little suggestion off the top of my head. Go right ahead. And it could be a replacement for spring break. It could be like a spring break atmosphere on the North Coast. Yeah, A lot of people would fly down for that, yeah. Yeah. You know, take it, you know, do an island thing, island-wide thing, you, you know, going to the various spots. And not just on the North Coast. We have a habit of just going from um, Negril, uh, Montego Bay, Mm, some parts of Trelawney, Ocherios. Well, we have the stretch in um, St. Anne from Discovery Bay all the way to Ocherios. Um, but include parts of St. Mary, not just Oracle Besso, then t you know, and then not just on to Portland, but let us see how we can include the South Coast. We have, um, which one is South? Hanover is South or is West Milan is South? Which one? Which one on top of which one? I don't remember right now. Yeah, I'm looking at the entire south uh, of the island. I'm trying to which which um going from west to east. Okay, it is um Westmoreland. It's Westmoreland. Then you have um Saint Elizabeth, Manchester, Clarendon, coming across to Saint Catherine, and then going all the way across to Saint Thomas. So let us see how we can include the southern part of the island as well, not just from Hanover to Portland. Just 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 a suggestion. I you know what what you said, Donald, two weeks <laughs> worth of nonstop yes, party. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> you know something, moments, um I think the politicians could take a uh, you know, take a page from the art form book. You're seeing these Caribbean artists forming a lot of synergies when it comes to the different art forms and different festivals and so on, where you see these artists and these people going from country to country, participating and so on. And it is benefiting everybody. Because mm -hmm. if Marshall is in Jamaica, it benefits Jamaica and it benefits Marshall. You understand? And if Problem Child is in Trinidad, you understand? Stuff like that. So what I'm saying is, sometimes we as a people could lead the way when the politicians are sleeping. Because... <laughs> it's, it, it, no, it's true. So this is an example where we can start to form the different synergies and how it's beneficial to everyone concerned. Because nobody's concerned that a soca artist come from Trinidad to Jamaica or a soca artist come from Grenada to Trinidad. We have to start to do those things. Yes. You understand? And it it, it would it would form so not only they sing together, these are business arrangements. Remember. And they all make money. And then if we make a, if I make a song with you as a Jamaican and you're from Trinidad, guess what? I might be in Trinidad for Carnival because we had to sing together. So stuff like that should be an example. And I'm glad you mentioned that because one area that they may want to address is working with the, the carriers um, that are bringing folks into the island. Because a big complaint from many um, supporters is the cost to get to Jamaica. The cost factor. And we understand it's springtime and anything going into the Caribbean, anything coming to the tropical region is usually way more expensive. 
But if you want to make it a desirable destination around carnival time, work with the carriers so that the fares can be more affordable. But you also have that a lot of the festival comes one after the other. So now when we, be, when we get a public transport airline in the Caribbean that we're all contributing to, and that airline is a public good, you could have packages where I go from Jamaica to Trinidad to Grenada to, to the different festivals. You could island hop to the festivals. The thing is, because you would increase your volume, you could bring down your price. And of course, you would get you would end up making money. And these the various economies would benefit from the influx of the tourists and the regional tourists that would run the tourist market. You know, so that you'd be a little less dependent on the international um, tourists so that if the US they don't travel to our country, we don't lose in the tourism sector because um, significantly because the US visitors stop come. So then the airlines like the um, the American Airlines and these people that we have to pay to land at our airport, we could negotiate with them better. Mm -hmm. Because you say, okay, if you don't want to come, don't come. Mm -hmm. You know, we have airlines that could pull up some slack. It's not perfect. And guess what? To give us more leverage on the negotiating tables. Yeah. yeah. I'm saying again and again, as we find more solutions amongst ourselves, we will be able to leverage ourselves better. And we'll be able to get better contracts and better deals out of people that want to come to invest with us. Exactly. I, yeah, I vote, Daniel. <laughs> yeah, I, I vote, Daniel. Uh, Concerned for the bullet, and you know what I mean. <laughs> we always have a wealth of ideas in here. Thank you so much, Donald. Appreciate that. It is time for us to take another quick break. When we get back, we have stories out of Latin America and on the international scene. Keep it locked. Don't go anywhere. It is Freestyle Friday inside the Friday mix. There's a little juju on that beat. Juju on that beat. Juju on that, juju on that, juju on that beat. Go 
got to give a big thank you to everyone listening on JanoRadio.com. Download the Jano Radio app. J-A-H-K-N-O. It is available in your Apple and Google Play stores. Jano Radio. Take us on the go. business need a homie who's a realist someone who wants to find out all that i have to give who can bring me what is missing when i talk she wanna listen sitting patient steady waiting for the day when i can't face it the one that can love me for I am and so much more Is it you? You my bond Say that I, I found the one I ain't gonna rest till I know for sure so Baby, please believe me when I tell you that I need a girl Just looking for something I can build on I'm a young man With a whole lot of cash Just looking for a lady I can spend on So all the young ladies In every little city When I come to your town Let me know that you sit down patient, steady waiting For the day when I can't face it The one that can love me for Who I am and so much more Is it you? You my bond Say that I, I found the one Gonna rest till I know for sure so Baby, please believe me when I tell you that I need a girl So come on pretty lady, won't you holler back gonna take y'all to the strip club with me just for a quick second i'm sorry i just feel like in a party vibe <laughs> gotta give a big thank you to everyone listening on qmzradio.com the quality music zone for quality music while you work or play keep it logged on to www.qmzradio.com Whole lot of styles, can't even pronounce the name You ain't got no style, see you on my Instagram I be rocking it like it's fresh out the pan Only when I'm taking pics, I'm the middle man Walk, talking like a boss, I just lift a hand Three million cash, call me Rain Man Money like a shower, that's my rain dance And we all in black, like it's gangland Say the wrong words, you be hangman Why me stick to your b- like a spray tan Uh, mister what kind of car you in In the city, love my name Gotta say she can get a taste, taste, taste. She can get a taste, taste, taste. What did it say? It's all the same like Mary Kate. Taste, taste. She can get a taste, taste, taste. Let you get a taste, taste, taste. Do you love the taste? Yeah, that's cool. But he ain't like me. A lot of girls. Thank you to everyone rocking out with me right here on Clubhouse where the conversation happens. Always appreciate your insight and your perspectives. Out my rags, Mike, Mike Jackson, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm back. Rat, tat, 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 tat it up in my bag. All the girls love me, you know what it is. Rack city chick, rack, rack city chick. Rack city chick, rack, rack city chick. Rack city chick, rack, rack city chick. 10, 10, 10, 20s and the 50s chick. Rack city chick, rack, rack city chick. Rack city chick, rack, rack city chick. Rack city chick, rack, rack city chick. 10, 10, 10, 20s and the 50s chick. Throwing hundreds, hundreds. Hunt it, hunt it. Don't 
As I'm hearing that part through hundreds, hundreds, all I'm thinking about is these Nigerian weddings where they be shelling out money. Saw a clip with an auntie with a big duffel bag telling everybody to get back, and she sure made it rain on that couple. Set your alarms Monday night, 10 p.m. Eastern. It is days after dark. Real relationship talk. Join the crew. Myself, Rose Solo, Sunette Javet, and Marlon. Yeah. You'll be live on QMZRadio.com and JohnnoRadio.com. And the conversation happens right here on Cold House. It's the beat in the meantime. See, I'm a crime. I keep the crowd jumping. Remix. Uh, it's the haters that hate the game and talking loud. They ain't saying nothing. Remix. Uh, Mr. Chief Bing Dog, my boys, they put a heavy on the chizzat. Remix. Gonna get back to business right after this one. This is the remix from Mr. Chief. Remix. Lights, camera, action. I don't think this song will ever get stale. All right, P. Diddy. <laughs> So he and um, what's her name from City Girls have definitely broken up now. Okay. She, I think she got a Bentley truck out of that relationship, didn't she? <laughs> when when you're walking away, what are you walking away with? Make sure you're walking away with something, okay? You know what? Let me behave myself and stop it. Stop it. Let me get myself in check. All right. Kicking it off <laughs> out of Latin America. So according to Al Jazeera, Ukraine's Zelensky addresses Mexican Congress and denounces critics. Yes, sir. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky has called on Mexican legislators to support his country's fight against invading Russian forces, chastising those he accused of denying Ukraine's pursuit of peace. He said that there are some leaders who have not visited Ukraine once and who have not seen what the brutal Russian aggression has brought. Some of those leaders, he added, sought to achieve some sort of populism by saying that Ukraine is supposedly not ready to go for peace. The speech was Zelensky's first address to Mexican legislators since Russia launched its full-scale invasion of Ukraine in February 2022. It came in the wake of controversial comments from Brazilian President Luis Inácio Lula da Silva, who attributed the war to decisions made by two countries, seemingly implicating Ukraine in Russia's decision to invade. Lula walked back those remarks on Wednesday and denounced the violation of Ukraine's territorial integrity. Brazil has sought to position itself as a peace broker between Russia 
and Ukraine. Okay, then. Similarly, Mexico has indicated it would remain neutral in the ongoing war in Ukraine, refusing to join sanctions against Russia. Mexico has nevertheless backed several United Nations resolutions that favored Ukraine, including a condemnation of Russia's attack in March 2022 and a text in October denouncing the attempted illegal annexation of territory. In Thursday's speech, Zelensky thanked Mexico for its backing at the UN, but he pressed Mexican legislators to show up and to show leadership in pursuing peace and pushing Russia to withdraw its troops. He feels that with Mexico's help, um, there could be a quicker resolution. Is Mexico in such a powerful position? What is the relationship between um, Obrador and Putin? Why Zelensky would feel so inclined? trying to understand that he feels that with mexico's help russia will back down that has nothing to do with mexico Zelensky just think he is self-appointed president of the world where he could just go around and tell people what he feels because his feelings is hurt or because ukraine is going to war so he has the right to show up in anybody parliament and run his mouth that is what I think. You understand? Just the same way he asked for people to respect Ukraine and to res respect his point of view, he have to learn to start to respect people. Because you have the, the backing of you, you, um, the US and the Europe, doesn't mean everybody agrees on everything that relates to this war. You understand? And that doesn't give him the right to go around trying to bully everybody to do who is him in any case mm -hmm. and he, he he was in charge of the, the most one of the most corrupt country in the world still today a lot of the funding and everything is disappearing and you I mean in ukraine you right be, yes okay. i can guarantee you he would be a billionaire before this war is over watch it <laughs> didn't we say a couple weeks ago um or a couple months ago donald that who is going to have the, we, we, we ask the question, who do you think is going to have the last laugh when it's all said and done? Ukraine. Didn't we also, when, when James was explaining the purse that each Ukrainian in Canada gets, and they, there was a story, if I'm not mistaken, or if it was James who brought it up to us, that no, they're ready to go home because I'm having enough money now. They're ready to go back. They are sitting down collecting checks per person in the family now paying a rent they are the ones who are going to have the last laugh and i do believe out of the billions that were sent over to ukraine a lot of it is lining pockets there was a story about the corruption that was going on that was highlighted and they um i think for public for the sake of publicity they um removed certain government officials from their positions but the corruption is going on and we are so sucked into it now i will have to agree and i am i'll be the first to confess my sins when the war broke out right i was 
gung-ho on Ukraine's side because I thought Putin was being um, irrational, wicked, and evil, and blah, blah, blah. And yes, me know some of in here naturally sad afford others who are on the opposite side. Um, and then you have those who's like, not our business. And I'm okay with that. I can say no. I really have to step back and I have to agree with Robert Kennedy. What is really going on? Why is the U.S. so heavily invested and our people are here struggling? And yes, I have to agree with you, Donald. It's a puppy show him going on with going around and it's a, it's a form of bullying, wanting more and more and more and more. You give him $10 million today and come back tomorrow so they need more. When does it stop? Do I agree with the war, with any war? None whatsoever. But there are other wars that have been going on that we have not got invested in. I was just about to say that moment. When war go on Africa all the time, you never run over there for the support or, or, or for help out in a, in a way. So I wash my hand with that long, long time still. So every time I pass, our I scroll and mirror nothing about Ukraine, Russia. I just ignore it. I don't have nothing to do with me. You know, I, I can, I, I can, um, confess when I <laughs> make my errors. I have no problem with that. You're right. Go, go ahead, James. Yeah, no, I'm just thinking that it's, it's so amazing that, you know, like I'm not 50 yet, but to live a lifetime where you can see things that you never, you've never seen before. Like you're just living a full life. Cause I'm like. When in history have we seen the amount of war in my lifetime, from the Gulf War coming up, the amount of war, like when have we seen any other leader um, going on a, a tour of, of parliament all over the world and standing up in front of the people and telling them like, look, if you don't give me billions of dollars to buy a weapon, blood is on your hand, you know? <laughs> it never happened with... <laughs> it never happened with... Um, with with any with the Gulf War, it 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 never happened with the the Rwanda genocide. It never happened with the one hundred year war between Ethiopia and Eritrea. It 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 never happened. <laughs> but now we we see what privilege war look like, and this is what it looks like: privilege. You know, you you can go around and you can you can tour the world, and um um and as you said, like it, it's going to be interesting to to. To Google his network after the after the for the next five years after the war to Google his network and see how much he's is valid, mm -hmm. probably the richest man in the world. Mm -hmm. Don't be surprised, folks. We are the laugh. Uh, we are the puppet show. We write us up. And no one is against humanitarian effort, and no one is sup um, supporting war. But as James rightly said, we have war all over. We have war in Sudan. We have war all over, and we do not see anybody as privileged as, as this guy mm -hmm. this mm -hmm. guy thinks somehow you, you're obligated mm -hmm. when when it is alleged that a lot of the the, the the help that is going to ukraine is not being used for the purpose for which it was done that is why he had to almost got his entire leadership not too long ago so yes we don't want to see war we don't want to see innocent people die or suffer but he has no right to just walk into people's parliament and think he has the authority to tell them what and what they shouldn't do. But you know, Donna, 
I'm here. We have a story coming up in the business and um, tech news segment where McCarthy is proposing changing access to food stamps as part of the debt limit debt limit debate, which is going to make it even harder for people who are in need of food stamps to get it. But it's not hard for the Ukrainians to get money from the U.S. Where are our it's, priorities? It's amazing that when we bail out banks and when we send arms to Ukraine and all this other stuff, the debt ceiling is never an issue. Never. The debt ceiling always becomes an issue when it comes to issues delivered poor people. Mm-hmm. Healthcare, food stamps, Medicare, whatever it is. You, you're paying to your social security all your working life. And somehow the money does just magically disappear. Oh, we cannot fund social security for the next how much years? Come on, give me a break. I'm waiting for them to tell me where the two trillion dollars is. We still haven't heard anything about that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, yeah, mo- Moments. So, so the con- you see the conversation that we're having yesterday about Trudeau? Yes. To me, that's why I said, like, you know, that money that you spend on vacation is nothing compared to what as a leader because. I look at value for money, right? Anything that you're doing, value for money. And as someone that lives in Canada, this this leader is someone who, right now, the 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 pass, the pass in the budget, um, money, billions of dollars to offset, um, inflation, the food inflation. So if you earn, um, under something like sixty thousand dollars a year or whatever, you're going to get a check every month. To put towards um, buying grocery, this is on top. This is on top of um, an increase in 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 our child tax taxes. Like if you make like a hundred thousand or or so, like per year, you get like something like a five hundred dollar check every month per child. If if you make under fifty thousand, you get something like seven hundred or whatever. I can't remember, but value for money. So when leaders can give you and and the thing with with the student forgiveness in America, if that was in Canada, that would pass a long time and, and forgiveness would have been gone. So value for money, when, when we're looking at leaders, and that's the problem I have with, with America, they debate um, same-sex marriage, they, they debate all of these other stuff, Black Lives Matter and everything in politics, and what really matter, like putting money in people's pockets and giving people a chance to survive, is not debated. Healthcare is not debated. Like only these other stuff is debated, heated conversation, but nobody's going anywhere. So that's what I look at: value for money. When leaders can give you value for money, I don't have any problem with with, with them um, getting what they, they need to get because they are making sure that their citizens have a chance to survive. And I think that's what the American leadership need to start doing: like giving away all this money to Ukraine, and you can't forgive a student loan. You know that's ridiculous. You know. Yeah. All right, next up, U.S. deploys more troops to Djibouti. And did I pronounce it correctly in Sudan? D-J-I-B-O-U-T-I. Let me know if I I pronounced it correctly. Yes, yes. Djibouti. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Appreciate you. Story courtesy of Al Jazeera. The United States is preparing to send a large number of additional troops to its military base in Djibouti in case of an eventual emergency evacuation from Sudan 
of American citizens. Forces commanded by two previously allied leaders of Sudan's ruling council began a violent power struggle last weekend that has so far killed more than 330 people, tipping a nation reliant on food aid into what the United Nations calls a humanitarian catastrophe. We are deploying additional capabilities nearby in the region for contingency purposes related to securing and potentially facilitating the departure of U.S. Embassy personnel from Sudan, if circumstances require it. The Pentagon issued that statement yesterday. Um, okay, let me just read the next, the other stories, too, that relate to what's going on in Sudan. We do have some live updates courtesy of Al Jazeera. The World Health Organization says that um, at least 413 people have been killed and more than 3,500 injured since fighting broke out last week between the army and the paramilitary rapid support forces. The Sudan's army commander, Abdel Fattah al-Burhan, says the military is committed to a transition to civilian rule in his first speech since the conflict began. The RSF says it is ready for a 72-hour ceasefire from 6 a.m. today, their time, but residents in Khartoum and neighboring cities are reporting gunfire. The army rules out negotiations with the rapid support forces, saying it would only accept its um, surrender. And fighting between the RSF and the army erupted on Saturday, derailing an internationally internationally backed plan for a transition to a civilian democracy after the fall of Omar al-Bashir during mass protests in 2019. And um, as was mentioned earlier, the U.S. is um, preparing for the possible evacuation of its people. But I do have a clip that um, I want to play. Bear with me one moment. Let me see if I can bring it back up. Silly me, I closed it out. You know, I need to watch my language, as Javette always says. <laughs> the words I call myself. Yeah, I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm learning. Let me see if I can get it here. Between the army and the paramilitary rapid support forces faltered on Wednesday. At least 270 people have been killed and thousands injured. Five days of fighting. Al Jazeera. I don't think that's the one. I don't think that no okay i found the one that i need to play i do apologize thank you for your patience let's talk about what's happening no we don't want that okay here we go it's in a power struggle despite international calls for a ceasefire it's an all-out for control of the country between sudan's army and a paramilitary unit known as the rapid support forces the rsf led by men who used to be allies Hundreds of people have been killed, and hundreds have been injured. There's fighting in different parts of Sudan, but it's heaviest in the capital, Khartoum. There have been attempts at a ceasefire, but they haven't lasted. There have been air attacks and shelling. The airport has been severely damaged. There's no running water or electricity. Supplies of food are running low. This ridiculous battle that has civilians caught in the middle. We have nothing to do with this. So what's behind the fighting? Well, people in Sudan are struggling to set up a democracy after decades under one-man rule. Omar al-Bashir came to power in a military coup in the late 1980s, became president, and stayed for 30 years. 
until people rose up and demanded that he step down. Then the army took over, and people didn't want them in charge either. So after pressure from protesters, the army agreed to share power with different political groups in a transitional government. The idea was that it would oversee a transition to a democratic system. But two years later, the army kicked out the prime minister and seized power again. The people in Sudan seem to be trapped in this limbo and they're going around and around in a circle that involves the same people, you know, with no clear path or trajectory on how they can actually start to plan uh, for a transition. There have been ongoing talks to make that transition happen between the military and political groups representing that pro-democracy movement. But a major reason the process is being held up is because of an underlying rivalry between the army and the rapid support forces that have become like a second army. And many people see this as a personal rivalry between the army's leader, General Abdel Fattah al-Burhan, who's effectively the leader of the country, and the leader of the RSF, General Mohammed Hamdan Dagalu, widely known as Hameti. The thing is, for years, both men were on the same side and had been since the war in Darfur. Hameti led a militia at the time widely known as the Janjaweed, and they were used by al-Bashir's army to fight rebels in the region of Darfur. They were created to protect the upper echelon of the military and the senior commanders. They're accused of carrying out war crimes there, and al-Bashir actually got charged with committing genocide. In 2013, the militia were rebranded as the Rapid Support Forces and worked with the army on different missions. Then, in 2019, Hameti and General Al-Burhan joined up to get rid of al-Bashir. And during the big pro-democracy protests, the RSF and the army were accused of killing more than 100 people. But since then, the RSF has been acting a lot more independently, and they've grown more powerful. They were able to establish vast investments uh, around the country and outside the country, especially in the gold trade. These two main actors, uh, the army and the rapid support forces, were able to collude you know, now successfully for about four years uh, to stay in power themselves, but there was always that core tension um, about who was the top dog between them. So that brings us to the fighting right now. As part of Sudan's transition to democracy, there have been talks about integrating the RSF into the army, but they can't agree over the timeline. The army proposed two years, while the RSF wanted it to be 10. The army, um, you know, had been making a stand. Uh, they realized that the, the rapid support forces uh, have been growing. Um, the head, General Hameti, has political ambitions himself. Um, and I think there was a sense that if they did not somehow force uh, the rapid support forces to agree to integrate and to, and to go under them, that this force would keep growing and, and grow out of the control of the formal military. It's unclear who started the fighting, but on April 15th, both sides started trading accusations that they had attacked each other's bases in Khartoum. Then they fought to take control of the presidential palace, the airport, and the state TV channel. The army has air power, and they've been hitting RSF bases in the capital, many of them in residential areas. The RSF don't have planes, but they do have anti-aircraft weapons, and they have about 100,000 men. There have been plenty of calls for the fighting to stop, from Sudan's neighbors, the African Union, the UN, the EU, the US, and the UK. 
And there could be some leverage from countries like Egypt, which has been a close ally to the Sudanese army, and on the other side, the UAE, which has ties to the RSF. But there's no sign that either side wants to back down. Right now, for a lot of people, it's, it, this is, it's a period of confusion. It's a period of uh, uncertainty um, about what's going to happen in the next few minutes, the next few hours, the next few days. And uh, it's a period of war and they have nowhere to turn to. A lot of people in Sudan are scared, heartbroken, and frustrated. Their country keeps getting derailed off that path towards democracy. It's a hope that seems even more distant now. For me, what is interesting to note, as far as the United States is concerned, the United States is preparing to send additional troops to nearby Djibouti in case an evacuation of Americans from Sudan is needed, but not to help. Why um, are they going to be sending millions to Sudan to help with this situation for humanitarian efforts as well? Haven't heard anything about that. Uh, is oil still the big thing in Sudan? Or no? Or is it too expensive to get oil out of Sudan? What's the, what's going on? Why, nobody's interested in Sudan? No. Oh, no, oil. Good morning. How's everybody? How are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm well. <laughs> no, it, if the, the one thing that stood out in that whole story was the fight for gold. Gold is going to become the ma the major standard of control. This whole thing is is a whole, the whole thing is a ploy. You create disruption to to control the resources. It has happened in every freaking country in the hemisphere. You you gain control to control the resources. The, the moment the moment that sorry, go ahead. I was closing. No problem. Time. Yeah. Yeah. The, the moment that story mentioned. Control over, uh, control over gold. I already knew what the what the narrative was. Mm -hmm. What the what the theme is. You have to get. You have to figure out who are the key leaders. Who are the key players? Who got the power? Then you create disruption. Then you turn it into a humanitarian issue, <laughs> so that the whole world looks at it and says, "Ah, oh, look at this. Superman. It's no different from having. Yeah, it's no different from the U.S. using uh, what's his name? Um, uh, not Saddam, but." Uh, Gosh, Gaddafi? what's the guy's name? No, 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 the, no, no. Uh, that Bush Bush hired an army. He he, he built an army to to deal with the opio uh, opioids control. Yes, Bin Laden. That's it. It's the same process. So you create this person that you gave all this power to. And next thing you know, you got this this madness happening politically, and it's like, okay, who are the orchestrators? Who are the architects of this madness? But you turn into a humanitarian aid to convince the world. To agree that this is the, this person or this group is the enemy. So, again, we're going back to resources. This thing with Ukraine is really about. I, I think what we what nobody really talks about is the art of war and what is behind. What, why is why is war necessary in Ukraine? It's because, from a war perspective, Ukraine has an advantage. If Russia takes control of the land in Ukraine then they can put missile silos in Ukraine that have a greater potential for reach to European countries. That's what we have to really understand. This is a defense mechanism. That's why they're spending all this money. It, it, it's, it's war. You just hired somebody else. You know, you're paying for somebody else to do your bid. So you don't have to go to war. 
but you're in it. So we're paying for it. Mm. I'll just there. <sighs> oh, boy. All right. Thank you so much, Chief. Appreciate your input. We pray for the people of Sudan that there will be peace quickly. Next. May I say something? Yes, go right ahead, Doc. Good morning. Hi. Stranger, there's a stranger in my house. Hey, Dr. Daphne, how have you been? I miss you guys. Hi, Marlene, Chief, James, everybody that I'm familiar with, Fabian. I agree with um, Chief, but I think, Chief, the one thing I will add to that part, I think the humanitarian peace comes when it is the people of other colors, because throughout the African countries, when they create these type of wars, the same thing is going on in Haiti, the same thing that goes on even here, the different location, neighborhood in America, people don't necessarily pay attention when it's us, you know, taking each other apart for the same resources. But that is the art of war, and I do agree with you 100%. So um, that's why when the whole thing with Ukraine came, as an educator, I stayed far away from it because I didn't want my own... Like, um, I can't worry about other people because you're not worried about me. I try to be positive in some sense, but that's always my first thing first. When the last time you worry about what's going on with the African diaspora. So I don't have nothing left for anybody else. I know that's bad, but, you know, that's how it is. So thanks for letting me talk. Thank you, Dr. Daphne. Thank you for your input. All right. Next story. South Asia has the world's highest number of child brides, says the United Nations. South Asia is home to the highest number of child brides in the world as increased financial pressures and school closures due to COVID-19 forced families to marry off their young daughters, according to new estimates released by UNICEF. There were 290 million child brides in the region, accounting for 45% of the global total. The Children's Agency of the United Nations said on Wednesday, calling for more efforts to end the practice. But I'm going to say this before we even point our fingers and cry shame on South Asia. We have something coming up right here in the U.S. I'm going to play a video. I am going to play a video. Okay, if you literally watch any video of mine, have it be this one. If you talk about politics, have opinions about politics, but you don't particularly pay attention to them, you have opinions, you name it, take this little refresher course for me. Side note, my hair girl went crazy. I know you're watching this, you went crazy. I'm just going to do a really unbiased, factual video of where politics are at today. I feel like people don't realize how quickly things can change and what's actually going on in government today. So look, Tennessee House Bill 878 now allows officiators to discriminate on same-sex and interracial marriage. They can say no if you want to get married. Tennessee has one of the strictest abortion laws with no exceptions. And now if you perform an abortion uh, outside of their jurisdiction of reasons that you can, which are very few, you can actually get a Class C felony. Arkansas House Bill 1410 actually loosens child labor laws and restrictions and has a point that even says 16-year-olds do not even need to verify their age for employment. South Carolina Bill S-240 introduced a bill that would execute women if they got an abortion. 21 South Carolina GOP lawmakers signed on to this bill. 
Arkansas Bill 1174 says that you can prosecute women who have abortions. It's so vague that it actually could include miscarriages. They define in the bill that it's from fertilization. So when the egg meets the sperm and look at what they cross out of the bill. Take a look, including an abortion performed to remove an ectopic pregnancy or other non-viable pregnancy where the embryo is not going to develop farther or in a scenario deemed necessary to save the life or preserve the health of a woman. Florida Senate Bill 254 would allow the state to take temporary custody of children who receive gender-affirming care. If you don't know that gender-affirming care does not mean a sex change and that sex and gender are different, gender-affirming care could be something as simple as voice therapy, changing the pitch of your voice, having access to counselors that talk to you about your sexuality and how you're feeling, cutting your hair, not wearing nail polish, using pronouns. That's what people mean by gender-affirming care. West Virginia voted no on Bill HB 3018, which is basically establishing 18 as the age of consent for marriage. So forced marriages of children under 18 or children who decide to get married under 18, this bill would have stopped that. They voted no. Mississippi 1020 creates an unelected court system, meaning the Republican majority gets to appoint judges in the court system in Mississippi. Jackson, Mississippi, a predominantly black community, did not get to vote on who their own judges are. The Republican Party appoints this. This is racial oppression. This is a Jim Crow law. Go look up what that means. I don't want to be divisive and I don't want to argue about politics, but that is the reality of the Republican Party. Those have all been introduced by the Republican Party. So when you come to the argument about the left and say they're trying to take your guns and take your Second Amendment right, look at all of the rights that are being stripped on the right. The point is, is that it's time to stop fighting each other because this is crazy. Our next story is about child labor. Which country or what kind of society comes to mind? A sweatshop in South Asia or a mine in Africa? Well, we're not talking about these tonight. We're talking about child labor in America, the United States of America. They're making child labor legal. They're passing laws to allow children to do all kinds of jobs, even serve alcohol on night shifts. They're passing bills to enable this. Why? Because the U.S. has a shortage of labor and children can be used as cheap labor. What about child rights? Well, it's America. They can justify anything. And they have a justification for this one, too. The lawmakers say children need work experience. Can you beat that? It's as absurd and exploitative as it sounds. State after state in the U.S. is trying to pass laws that will crush child rights. Let me explain with what happened in Iowa. The state Senate has passed a bill. It's inconspicuously called Senate File 542. It allows 14 and 15 year olds to work six hour night shifts until 9 p.m. during the school year and 11 p.m. during vacations. 16 and 17 year olds will be able to work as long as adults. And what will they be doing? Not just the usual jobs of waiting tables and babysitting, anyone above 15 will be able to work in assembly lines. You heard that right. They'll assemble goods or pack meat. And we aren't joking about the meat. Kids will now be able to work in jobs previously banned for minors, even dangerous jobs. As long as they're part of an approved training program, they can do these jobs. So expect to see internship offers from mines and meat packing plants for children. And what happens if the child gets injured? Initially, employers were going to get complete immunity, but then there was a heated debate in the Senate. So now children will be able to seek compensation. This was one of the compromises made to bring back child labor in the state of Iowa.
course, injury is not the only danger that children will be exposed to. 16-year-olds will now be able to serve alcohol at restaurants. Yes, by all means, let teenagers handle booze on late-night shifts. What could possibly go wrong? The bill is not law yet. For that, it must be passed by the House of Representatives. But reports say it has enough supporters, including the state's restaurant association and industry association. Also, a grocery chain called Hy-Vee. Incidentally, this chain has been fined over $700,000 since the year 2000. What for? For over 30 labor law violations, including child labor violations. Of course, they support this law. And these are examples from just one American state. It's pretty much the same across the board. Child labor has been increasing dramatically since the pandemic. Just last year, violations increased by 37%. And what solution did American lawmakers come up with? Make it easier for companies to exploit children, to hire them, to make them work. Last month, the state of Arkansas passed a law. Companies there no longer legally are obligated to verify the age of teenage staff. Now, legally, children under 14 are not allowed to work. But now there's a new law. So they can employ preteens, and then they can say they did not know the age. In New Jersey, 16-year-olds can now work for 50 hours a week without parental or school consent. This is up from the previous 40 hours. At least 11 states in the U.S. are trying to weaken child labor protections, many because of a labor shortage. They say they need more workers. And so they enlist children and claim that the move benefits children. It helps them learn the value of money, they say. Of course, there's also a catch. The money won't always be fair. Let's look at the state of Nebraska. The minimum wage there is $10.50 per hour. It will raise to $15 per hour by the year 2026, but not for child workers. A bill introduced in January wants minors to get lower wages. So they'll serve as cheap labor. Now put all of this together. Added working hours, lack of age verification, no restrictions on dangerous jobs and lower wages. It shows... The U.S. is heading down a dark path where corporations will exploit children and reap profits. So before we point our fingers <laughs> at what's going on in Asia, not to ignore it, because yes, we need to be cognizant of what's going on. And yes, what is going on, we don't support it. But right here in the U.S., and I thought I had saved the video, a lawmaker a woman defending her stance, saying that a 10-year-old is capable of carrying a child because that's what she's designed to do. A white woman supporting the ban on abortions for minors. So she, I guess, wouldn't have a problem if someone raped her 10-year-old. She'd be like, no, baby, you, that's what you're designed to do. The same issues that we like to point our fingers at that are happening in Asia and Africa, they're right here in this country. And then we wonder why African leaders are telling the U.S. to clean your house and get out. Don't leave us alone. Get away from us. You're trying to come and tell us what we ought to do over here when you can't even fix your issues over there. Look at what's going on. That's what These are the things the far right are doing. So we talk about having a shortage of labor. 
How many people do we have at the border? Hmm? How many people do we have at the border that are ready to come and work to improve their lives, the lives of family back home? Hmm? Oh, we don't want those people. We want children that we can abuse. So don't talk about China using children to make the clothing because you're signing, you're pushing for laws to say we don't even have to ask children their age. You just hire them. And then to pay them <laughs> way less. Two words, F, capitalism. I'm done speaking. Yeah, I think, I think what, what we see happening is, you know, because I think, I think you spoke about it earlier this week with, with Joe Biden um, talking about manufacturing again. And I think what's happening now, like they're trying to out China, China, because, you know, 90% of, of what we use in North America comes from China. And it's, it's not if it's going to happen, but it's going to be when. You know, um, all of those stuff are going to, there's going to be like a stoppage on all of those stuff because of, because of an upcoming war, right? So I think they're, they're in a, a, like a high-speed type of chase to get manufacturing up and stuff like that. And even if it's going to take like working kids, like what they accused China of doing in the past, they're going to do it because the, the, the war is going to happen. And once that happen, like all of these, you know, 90% of Walmart stuff that's like made in China, we're not going to have access to it unless the beef of manufacturing. So I, I don't understand. Like, as you said, there's a lot of people at the borders. Um, Haiti is in a crisis. People want to work. You know, get those people. Like, why why using, you know, child labor and, and stuff like that? And you can't be like, you know, um, telling people, like, being the police of the world one day, and then the next day you turn around the same thing that you were trying to police. It, it, it don't make any sense. You know, there are a lot of people out there. Guatemala, Honduras... Haiti, people dying, like killing themselves to get to America. Send plane and get them in if you want. If you want to build back manufacturing, people come and people work for minimum wage happily from those countries. So do that and, and leave the kids alone. Thank you, James. But James is not just about bringing in people. We have the darker kids, people that came here young, who went to university, some of them get a degree and can't even get a job, right? Because they're illegal still. We have people who have been, who are here, migrants who came in legally, they may not have left. Give an amnesty. Do a quota for the amount of people you think you need. Make people legal. You'll also collect money from taxes and all the stuff like that. But that is not their interest. You understand? Their interest is to get the cheapest possible labor. And soon you will have, if kids go to work and they don't keep their time, they don't get paid. And you would all see how terrible it is, and it will continue. They're not looking for solutions. There are a lot of solutions around, but they don't look for that. They're just looking for profit. Yeah, but even with the profit, 
they do the same thing in some of the immigration that we have because I'm close to DC. They abuse the adult the same way. So I'm just, I think with talking with children, there's a little bit more there than anything. Because they do the same thing to the illegal immigrants. They pick them up by the side of the road. They make them work. Sometimes they get hurt. They don't pay them. The whole thing they do with children, they do with some of the illegal immigrants as well. But as somebody said, I think there's more to getting children. This whole country, um, anyway, says they're about kids, but they really aren't. Um, but you know it's not going to be the white children that they're necessarily going to come across. They're going to come for. So that's another thing. I have nothing to add. Nothing to add. Except to say, we are going to have to hold ourselves accountable in the next elections. That's it. I'm done. I'm not surprised at all. All these stuff, <laughs> watching some futuristic movies, it's just a play. It's like them just, some whistleblower just come, um, had the, the, the blueprint to hold things that will be in the future and then just like um, put it in a movies rather than come out and try to be a whistleblower in a way so just put that in an entertainment form and um, you know again a lot of stuff just go over people's head <laughs> you know what I mean but a lot of these moves are very revealing one of them was too revealing and then went ahead and killed him and his family and that movie never ever come out you get what I said uh, I think during the, 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 the whole pandemic thing, he's supposed to come out now. Yeah, and then make sure them get rid of him. Because fame thing is too revealing. And and that was that. But uh, I'm not, again, I'm not surprised. All these movies I'm still going to watch, they, they just coming come in, come in to reality. That's all. Yeah. So in the chat, um, Geely put, DACA children still don't have status here. They should be a priority. The operative word should be a priority when it comes to status. And Crystal said, as citizens, we must stop supporting these companies that employ child labor. Support by not supporting. We have to do due diligence. And as we find out who these companies are, bring them to the forefront. And I'm going to tell you this, you're going to be shocked. We probably won't have any business to support. <laughs> Oh, Lord, probably won't have one, not one business to support because somewhere along the line, there is some form of corruption in some way, some shape, some form, you know. But um, time for us to get into news out of North America. Ay, 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 I don't know. I don't know. We're busy going around the world trying to tell other countries how to operate and telling them, who to accept, who not to accept, and blase, blase, and we're busy dropping sanctions on people. Can we sanction ourselves until we can get our, um... <laughs> you know what, let me, let, me... <laughs> let me stop before I say what I got to say. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Hey! Don't catch you slipping now. Hey! Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Look how I'm living now. Police be tripping now. Yeah, this is America. 
Thank you, Childish Gambino, for the intro to This Is America. Got a couple of videos that I want to play. Um, <laughs> sometimes I'm saying it's better to laugh than cry, right? So they say. Ron DeSantis has been very lucky that the media is only talking about his ridiculous culture wars and not about his actual record in Florida, which is disgusting. The state ranks among the last in the country in nearly every metric that matters to voters. I have Ring of Fire's Farron Cousins with me to talk about what's happening. You know, interesting thing. I, I think we, it, we started doing stories about what was happening in Florida. And people said, well, you got a national show. Why are you worrying about Florida? We did stories on uh, uh, his, his ridiculous effort to, 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 to do away with the Democratic Party. You remember that? And how he was going to make bloggers register and be fined if they don't register. And then the latest is to do away with the First Amendment and try to, try to change uh, New York Times versus Sullivan. So we did all those stories to let the public know that if he's in charge as president, you better be ready for something. Yeah. And it ain't going to be pretty, right? No, I mean, what has happened to the state of Florida is so much worse than what most people realize because it's not just the culture war stuff. I know that's what grabs the headlines. But across the state, people are suffering economically. We're suffering educationally. We're, we're, we're suffering as consumers across the board. This state has become, you know, by almost every metric, one of the worst in the country. We're 49th in teacher pay. Mm -hmm. We are the worst in the country, by the way, of knowledge retention from students exam, from yeah, fourth yeah. to eighth grade. Yeah. So our children in Florida statistically get dumber as they move through school compared to every other state okay. in the country. Just so there is this, we're talking objective numbers here. Yes. School, we're la at the bottom where it comes to educating our kids. Healthcare at the bottom in taking care of our health cares in Florida. Elder care at the bottom. I'm, I'm talking about like number 47 through 50 kind of bad. Uh, salaries, the, the lowest in the nation. Unemployment benefits are the stingiest in the nation. Although taxpayers in Florida, the privileged pay the privileged pay what one 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 to two percent taxes. Yeah. Everybody else pays twelve percent taxes. Yeah. And you just look. All you got to do is look at this and say, okay, well, this is his legacy. This is take all this stuff, put it up here on his head, and that's what you got. Yep. This is the guy that's running for president of the United States. And all you have to do is look at what he did to Florida. Disgusting record in Florida. The latest takes away people's right to sue when they've been injured, malpractice, when their home gets blown away in a hurricane. All of these rights have been trampled on by this man who wants to be president of the United States. And it gets so much worse, too, because in terms of life expectancy, life expectancy in Florida continues to fall. We're among the top in the country in cancer death, diabetes, drug overdoses, teen birth rates, infant mortality. And uh, I was having to look up statistics the other day. We are among one of the worst states in the country with the rise in violent crime. Mm. So what we see in states like New York is a, a massive rise in property crime. But down here in Florida, property crime is declining, but violent crime is rising. So, yes, in New York, you're more likely to get mugged. But in Florida, 
you're more likely to get killed or beaten half to death because violent crime is becoming so rampant throughout the state. Yeah, okay, so let's talk about the media's handling on this. Yeah. The media's handling on this is like a yarn, okay? The only thing they know how to do is hate talk. Let's hate on this guy. Remember, he was running against Charlie Chris. Let's talk about the hate aspect of him. Let's hate on Ron DeSantis. They had all of this stuff to talk to, and Charlie Chris was doing the same thing. That's why he lost. He had all of this material, last in schools, last in health care, last in elder care, last in employment. I mean, you could go down this list. But the media is so dumbed down now that they're, all they're looking for is low-hanging fruit. Yeah, and, and, and I'll tell you another reason Charlie Chris couldn't talk about this because, you know, plenty of these numbers started <laughs> with on him. his watch when he yeah. was governor, a governor as a Republican. Yeah, yeah. And, and then from Rick Scott, who, you know, should have been in jail instead of the governor's yeah. mansion. For stealing, for stealing $1.6 <laughs> billion. He's now a senator in Florida. So we've just had a string, a Jeb Bush before Charlie. My God, we have been cursed down here in Florida. But this is as, as bad as it's been, and I'm terrified to see what could come after this guy because you know it's not going to get any better. Take all of these bad statistics, hang it around his neck, and you tell me that this is a guy you want to vote for for president of the United States. You know, that's really the story here, isn't it? Yep. Where in the world is Ron DeSantis? Not in his own state, that's for sure, where Floridians are panicking over major gas supply issues after a storm last week brought torrential rain and flooding. Even Marco Rubio is mad about it. It's been four days. This should have been figured out by now. And they're blaming it on consumer panic. Yeah, people are panicked because they got to get to work. They got places to go. And you either can't find gas or you have to wait in line for like two hours down the street. What is up with Republicans fleeing their states during crisis? I'm looking at you, Cancun Cruz. But it's arguably worse for a governor like DeSantis to be MIA while their state is in peril, since managing state crises is literally a governor's job. So we ask again, where is he? Ah, yes, he's on a book tour, pitching himself and showing off his presidential ambitions. He was in Ohio while South Florida was underwater, in a Georgia gun store days after the Nashville school shooting, and then in South Carolina, delivering word salad diatribes about woke while his own voters endure flash floods. So because the woke represents a war on truth, uh, we have no other recourse but to wage a war on woke. We fight the woke in the schools. We fight the woke in the legislature. We fight the woke in the corporations. We will never, ever surrender to the woke mob. Florida is where woke goes to die. Woke, 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 seven times in 20 seconds. That's got to be a record. Expect more of that in his campaign mailers. A PAC supporting the footing-fingered governor is sending out these presidential starter kits, showcasing the man who God made a fighter, including this cartoon showing Ron knocking out the woke elites. Kapow! Ron and Don sure do love those boxing rings. Last week, after taking a quick dip into Florida to sign a six-week abortion ban into law at midnight so no one could see him, DeSantis trekked to Washington to boost his national profile, only for a parade of Florida Republicans to endorse Donald Trump instead, including Mike Waltz, who represents the district DeSantis held before being elected governor. Reportedly, DeSantis' personality, or lag thereof, has something to do with it. That's got a sting, like 
I don't know, too tight, high white boots, or those insults Trump has been flinging at him for getting owned by Mickey Mouse. But remember, there was a time when Trump endorsed DeSantis back in 2018 when his gubernatorial campaign boiled down to baby MAGA vibes and being a Trump sycophant. He even released a cringy ad showing his toddler building the wall with toy blocks and Ron reading his baby the art of the deal. But now the unthinkable has happened. DeSantis has surpassed the MAGA king in cruelty. His platform isn't about touting Trump anymore. It's about being meaner than Trump. When DeSantis does govern, the cruelty is always the point. Shipping migrants, including children, to Martha's Vineyard, pushing an inhumane immigration crackdown, and leading a crusade to ban the existence of LGBTQ people, which capped off this week with the state board approving an expansion of the ugly don't say gay law. So why is Ron DeSantis fixated on bathrooms and drag shows instead of a better Florida as he gears up for an expected presidential run? Well, that is next. <laughs> this is America. <laughs> we are in trouble. We are in trouble. You think? <laughs> Somebody send us a lifesaver. Moments, you, you remember the good old days when they used to talk about healthcare and infrastructure? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Like, and he, DeSantis, is the king of that. Like, I don't think I've ever heard him talk about anything to do with e the economy and stuff like all I've heard him talk about is like these like LGBTQ stuff, like, you know, like banning stuff from schools, all of these social um, stuff that he's campaigning against, but nothing to do with like no infrastructure bill, no nothing about um, proper health care or or. or proper wages or anything like that that's all he talks about and he's going to be the next president wow no please don't say that right now he he's talking about what he's paid to talk about domek goes folio he is another puppet on a string they all are puppets on strings so whoever is telling him what to push is paying him to push said thing because it seeks to satisfy their agenda he don't have no damn agenda. I don't even know if he knows how to even. Let me stop while I'm ahead. He is doing what he's told to do because he's paid to do it. He, he is at war with Disney. He wants the land because somebody wants the land to build prisons. So he's picking a war with Disney. Go right ahead. Uh, who opened their mic? I wasn't looking at the screen. I know somebody's mic opened. Whose was it? Nah, I mean, I opened it. I, I, I just had a thought and I just closed. I, I was just wondering if the people of Florida is really coming out in these um, election really to vote because, like, I, I, I just can't understand, like, Charlie Chris was governor before and did a great job and, like, the numbers just don't add up to me when it comes to like people going against the scientists i just can't of every time he just keep winning like i don't know if people really coming out to vote and then they sit down and then they complain when this man doing all these these crazy things you know um i don't think the i, I think people just complain a lot when things not not going their way 
but they're not showing up at the they're not showing up at the polls and stuff like that. Like um, even the last election, I was just surprised uh, at, at at the numbers, you know. And my son away probably it's a good thing that he's not showing up now for the state, so people can can so he could lose some grounds, you know, because like the 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 backing that this person that, that him have. It's crazy and it's it, it's fearful. I wouldn't want him to become president, but um, yeah, probably him not showing up will open people's eyes and he lose some grounds in in Florida and other places. I tell you something, right now. I know this is gonna sound horrible. We need Trump to win his case because if these are the mm. only two we have, he's the better pick. He is the better pick. I will be honest. We know he crazy, <laughs> but this one, all the way crazy. Um, and here is why, right now, Dre, and I may be wrong, and, and I'm okay if I'm wrong. Let me know where I'm wrong. Right now, with what is going on, with all these different bills being pushed left, right, and center, unfortunately under the watch of the democratic party because they're the ones who are in the white house even though the bills are being orchestrated and pushed by the republicans how it's looking to floridians especially the cuban community is right now we, it's as though we're coming on a dictatorship so they're not the cubans down here not really thinking all they're thinking is oh my gosh this is being done under the biden watch we're, we're turning into a communist situation down here, if I'm making sense. So it's the, 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 if you're looking at the Latino community to wake up in South Florida, they, they're going to stay asleep. They're, they're going to no. I think they will even support DeSantis not realizing or not paying attention to the fact that everything that's kind of going a little haywire is being done by the Republicans, but they're going to go Republican because it's happening under the Democrat watch. I'm done. If I make sense, let me know. Moments. Would, would you take Ted Cruz over both of them? Ah. Remember when we thought Ted Cruz was crazy? <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> and, a, right and, and a liar and a flip flopper. Right now, Marco Rubio, Marco Rubio, look like like Jesus Christ himself. Right now, if he could enter and and, and give them a run for their money, oh, like, people never liked him before. <laughs> but he looks, he looks like a good. He looks like the most. Like even I would say, like on both parties, like the candidates that, even though I don't see anybody for Democrat yet, but Marco Rubio look like. We do do Cuomo from New York, the old. <laughs> All I'm saying is, can somebody send us a boat? Because we need to get out of Florida. It ain't happening down here. It ain't cute down here. You could keep Florida now. Thanks. <laughs> you know, I have a strange feeling. Not to go off on a tangent, but I have a strange feeling. Don't forget Texas is next. Yep. I, I'm glad you said Texas because, Texas because I was about to say, I have a strange feeling. Florida and Texas are trying to separate themselves from the union. They could have it. You could have that in California too. You're welcome to it. I just have a feeling they're trying to become their own mm -hmm. countries when technically each state is its own country. Go ahead, um, Chief. Uh, it's, it's not, not a feeling. Yeah, exactly. It's not a feeling. They're actually doing that. 
So I'm right. Texas is actually doing that. Damn. Yeah, they're actually doing it. That's what that's what the San DeSantis is actually doing. If you look at the bills that he's passing, that's what he's doing. Yeah, what they don't understand, they're moving away from the union. There's a lot of stuff that they uh that's small minded, the federal connection. Anything you dis well, they should take an example from what's happening in Europe for some of the people that left the union to see how difficult for the citizens. They may be looking at it in terms of governing purposes, but there's something called social social behaviors and social expectation advantage. Federal law, they're not going to get it. Federal protection, they're not going to get it. So they could get out for the union all they want. They could have that. Florida, Texas, California, they could have all of that because they're not the richest states. Oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> you have to laugh when you can't cry, right? Can you imagine Florida becoming its own country with Ron DeSantis at the helm? What will become of us? What do you mean? It's just Florida. It don't matter nothing going on over there. What is Florida providing to the rest of the world that's so important? Oh gosh, we can't breathe, we can't eat. You, want, you can't read, you can't eat, you can't take care of your elderly, you trying to black you trying to bring back um the slave ship back in your state. What you gonna do? You are number one for everything against women, you wanna execute women, you wanna have child labor. Exactly what? In fact, if they become their own state, then we could bomb them then. So go for it. Please don't bomb them. Moments is there. Oh gosh. Women will have time to leave, and Marlene is driving, so they have plenty of opportunity for them to Listen, pack up themselves. And we're looking good My right mom now. I've been trying to get her out of there, but she wanted to go to Florida. We're from New York, Florida. Complete office, and she's complaining every single day. I'm like, Mom, come back. We we over here. Not that we're any better, but like, what's Florida? Like I said, Florida, Texas, California, they want to be their own state as if the United States cannot survive without them. You understand? It's like, what are you providing? What road, what commodity that you're adding to the union that if you separate, then we're going to suffer? Exactly what? Oh, boy. I don't, I don't think that anyone would suffer if Texas separates. <laughs> I'm just gonna be honest with you because I think Texas and Florida are just making things worse. So let them separate and be their own and see how things are. Yeah, all right. I'm gonna send a rescue team for you. She's, oh yeah, she's in Texas. I was gonna say. I'm good. Jimmy is all right. I'm good, but I appreciate any help anybody has, but I'm good. <laughs> I'm gonna be fine. I'm gonna take some, oh, let me not say what I'm gonna say. No, don't, 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 Okay, I'm good. So we gotta I'm laugh. I'm leaving alone. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta laugh a little bit, just a little bit. So Kylie Jenner says it is a big misconception that she's had so much surgery on her face. Which one am Kylie! <laughs> that girl! Not use any more time on that late, that, that, that anymore, please. No, we just have to laugh a little. Sometimes it gets so tense. Oh, we have to release oh, the yeah. stress. We could send her to Florida. Let's have a conversation with this sentence. She could go there. <laughs> that girl 
Every time her mom dad goes in for a process, she goes in with him her. So <laughs> You mean the um what woman of the year? One year less than one year of being a woman, he became woman of the year, yeah. I don't know who she pay. Who do they pay for that to happen? I'm just so worried. That's what I'm saying. Let's not give him any more oh, time. Once done, Folks. I was like, <laughs> look at the link at the top. Day and night. She said she didn't do any work. No, but yeah, we just had to laugh a little bit. So in Canada, a gold heist at Canada's busiest airport estimated at $14 million. A container carrying high value items was stolen after being unloaded from a plane at a cargo facility in Toronto, Paris. Airport. Oh, James, James, talk to me. You have any of that? It wasn't me. <laughs> so, Canadian police are investigating a major gold heist at Toronto's Pearson International Airport. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Virginia, was it you? <laughs> well, Mad Libran isn't here. I wonder if it was him. You know, have to. We gotta check out with our Canadian folks. <laughs> oh gosh, we gotta check our Canadian folks. Your solo, your bank is open. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I mean, Ted, yeah. Chief Pocket, he's the one always talking about gold enough. That's true. Chief, Chief. what's up, Chief? <laughs> Wagwan, what can we do for you? Donald, how are you going to throw Chief out there like that? <laughs> I can no, understand Donald, James. Me Donald, no, me and Donald are friends. I can understand James. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to divert the attention from the, the real goal on the continent. Let me set you Canada. Oh, gosh. Why, why James? I'm a, is James a gold digger? <laughs> James, don't James, don't. It's a hole at the end of the thing. Don't oh, fall Lord, in. Move on, moments. Don't even answer James. Somebody got the money. Somebody need to speak up. I just want to cut. And you, I, I don't talk. I keep secrets. I do not talk. You was prosecuted. See, see, I, see, I was gonna cut Don. I was gonna cut Donald in, but I guess it's just me and James now. <laughs> don't forget me. Don't forget me. Don't forget me. Damn moments i need a mega <laughs> yacht to get out of florida <laughs> you know chief didn't hear what i say until you mentioned it moment so you would have thought <laughs> you know what let me move on so u.s prosecutors to drop charges <laughs> against alec baldwin somebody oh javet go ahead javet I, I was just gonna say i can't believe he gonna cut donald in when i just took up for him okay <laughs> you see how it is you see how it is bro code mm, don't see, worry about see, it javet. see see that's why I don't tell my business, do I? <laughs> Javet, we already had this conversation, and apparently you have amnesia. So we're going to get you some medical attention first with that money. <laughs> so, so you'll be right when you get it. Okay. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I can't wait, y'all. Y'all behave yourselves. Well, we predicted this, didn't we? U.S. prosecutors to drop charges against Alec Baldwin. Didn't we predict this? Call us all what you call us? Fortune tellers. We, we called it. So lawyers for Baldwin say New Mexico prosecutors have dismissed involuntary manslaughter charge in the fatal onset incident. Are we surprised? No. We knew it was going to happen. 
And that being said, they're going to continue filming Rust. All right. So. They're going to continue the movie? Yes, they are. Oh, that that's insensitive. Like, no, yes, they like are. The, the, the family, the family should should sue or something. That that's not good. So the movie is more important than the life. Like, yep. that, that that's not a good look. This no. is America. The money is always more important. How you going, question? How you going, say that, James? You know, see what I'm going. No, you sit down in the room and every day we talk about money, 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 money. Money is money is the end all. Nobody cares about anybody. Don't forget that, James. Yeah, but they can't write a different script. That, that that that's something that can change easily. So 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 wait, the same gun that that was used, are they gonna have the gun scene and all that? No, that's insensitive. James, you know what? We are our own demise. Okay, leave well, them. I, well, I hope I hope people I hope people make them spend how much million of dollars and and send it to the movie theater and and just flop. That that's not exactly. Nice. That that's that exactly is what it. Should happen. That's what should happen. But how many people are gonna go and support that movie? That's the thing. We always talk and we talk and we talk and we talk and we say we're we're, we're gonna ban this and we're not gonna do this and we're gonna. Say, and the moment it comes out, you're right back there in the theater. Mm -hmm. They're gonna go see the movie. Mm -hmm. So we have to stand ten toes down on what we believe, and and abide by the very precedents that we are trying to set. We cannot. We can't forget. Go ahead, Dre. Now, I was saying by their playbook is just promotion for the movie. Uh, remember in Hollywood, all publicity is good publicity. Facts. They don't care. Everybody knows, everybody knows about this movie because of the incident. And Even before the, way before the movie happened. So I, I, they're going to put it out. And, and insensitive. Exactly. And let me tell you something. As human beings, for the most part, James, we are insensitive. Did you see the, the video of the truck that turned over? Was it yesterday or the day before? And this is something that has always happened in Jamaica. The truck turnover, Mount Russell. The man still in the truck pinned down. Nobody knows to make them try to help the man out of the cab of the truck. Everybody looting things out of the, the back of the trailer. So it's not just people in the u.s it's a global thing nobody cares about anybody everybody's about self people come out of the woodworks and this is something that has happened all the time you will see where dng trucks will turn over on um that road there the hill spur tree hill nobody now help the driver they might help themselves something is wrong with us as human beings we care nothing about anybody, only our selfish goals. That's it. We pretend to care. We pretend. Not even family sometimes care about we. God bless the few family members that stick with you. Good times, bad times. God bless those. Because you have some family who will never support you a day in your life. But when you make it, them are the first one for rob you. So it's not just a U.S. thing. It's closer to home than we think. Sad, but true. It is what it is. Sorry, you have to break it to you like that, James. It's life. Um, the Louisville shooter. 
left notes revealing part of his goal was to show how easily a mentally ill person can buy a gun in the U.S. That's according to CNN. The shooter who killed five co-workers at a Louisville, Kentucky bank this month left two very extensive notes, one in his home and one found on him after police killed him in a shootout. That's according to law enforcement. The notes revealed that part of the shooter's goal was to show how easy it was in America for someone dealing with a serious mental illness to buy an assault-style weapon. Um, they can come in here and hear us talk about it all the time. They don't have to wait for somebody to go to that extent to show them. And guess what? You killed those people in vain. You got killed in vain because they still don't care. They ain't going to do nothing about it. Because as we shoot and kill each other, their stocks go up. They're achieving their end goal. So you really think that they're going to sacrifice their pockets to save your life? No, they're not. No, they're not. So while that may have been your mission, I don't know why you chose that route, but while that may have been your mission, I'm sorry, you failed. It fell on deaf ears. The blind can't see. No one cares. Charlotte, North Carolina, um, suspect who allegedly shot a six-year-old neighbor and her parents in North Carolina has been apprehended in Florida. Story courtesy of CNN. Robert Lewis Singletary, the suspect accused of shooting a six-year-old neighbor and her parents in North Carolina after a basketball rolled into his yard. <sighs> so now you turn down driveways, bam, bam, bam. You open the wrong car door, bam, bam, bam. Ball roll into your yard. Bam, bam, bam. What the hell are we going to do? Well, they apprehended him in Hillsborough County, Florida. He's 24 years old. Arrested Thursday afternoon, ending a manhunt in which police described the suspect as armed and dangerous. <sighs> this is America. This is the America they want. This is the America they support. And this is the America that they're saying is great. Again, everybody with a gun who don't have no business having a gun because they've made it so much easier for everybody to have a gun. And it's going to become the norm. So what are we going to get to a point where we say kids got to have guns now? And somebody look at you and you don't like the way they look at you. Bam, bam, bam. Walking on your, the sidewalk, public space. Bam, bam, bam. Because they have to cross your driveway to get to the other side of the sidewalk. A dog poo in your yard. Bam, bam, bam. This is America. You're right, Chantal, we have to guard our eyes and ears because we have become desensitized to events. 
Sula says, whether it's legal to obtain a gun or not, they still will get it to do what they want, sadly. But the only thing, Sula, is that now it's made that much more easier. <sighs> bang, bang, bang. This is America. Actor Morgan Freeman believes the terms Black History Month and African American are insults. Saying Black History Month is an insult. You're going to relegate my history to a month. Also, African American is an insult. According to BallAlert.com, in an interview with the Sunday Times, the 85-year-old actor expressed his belief that the yearly celebration of Black History Month carries a negative meaning for him. He argued that it restricts his culture to only four weeks. Two things I can say publicly that I do not like, Freeman said. Black History Month is an insult. You're relegating my history to one month. Also, African American is an insult. I don't subscribe to that title. Black people have had different titles all the way back to the N-word. And I do not know how these things get such a grip. But everyone uses African American. What does it really mean? Elsewhere in the interview... Freeman highlighted the increase of representation in the media. Generally, though, I do think we're moving ahead in leaps and bounds. He added that LGBTQ, Asians, black, white, interracial marriages, interracial relationships, all represented. You see them all on screen now, and that is a huge jump. Last year, Freeman faced backlash for his involvement in the FIFA World Cup during the ongoing allegations of human rights abuse in the Middle East. For a man who played Nelson Mandela, who knew better than anyone the impact and importance of isolation on a country and its success on the ground to make that nation's policy, one Twitter user said. It is so disappointing to see hashtag Morgan Freeman take the money and support an oppressive regime. What does African American mean, Crystal? African American means you, I'm thinking it means that you are an American of African descent. I guess when I'm thinking you, you say um, Italian-American, Asian-American, Jamaican-American. Uh, Jamaican I don't know. Am I right? Am I wrong? I don't know. They don't use those, they don't use those titles in, um, on forms. Only, only African-American is used on the form. These other titles are not used on the form. So it's not, it's not a real thing. Why, did, why don't they just have American? That is what they should have. That is what they should have. Because they have to remind us that we were stolen from Africa, brought to oh, America. Man. Stolen from Africa, <laughs> brought to America. Moments. Remember... Remember, I talk about civil rights. That, that's one of the things, that, that's one of the benefits that came out of civil rights, African-American. So, it, so remember, I said civil. It's like, it's, it, it's not really rights. It's closer to no rights than equal rights. So that's one of the things. So it, 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 it's just a brand that, look, you're not really, you're not really American. So just, just remember that. That, that, 
that is there to show you that you'll never be American. You know, so, yep, that's to, one of the benefits. To separate of you, right? Because in Jamaica, and I'm just going to use Jamaica as an example, in Jamaica, whether you're white, back that up. Whether you're of German descent, Indian descent, English descent, and yes, English, because English means you're born in England, um, Nigerian descent, Australian descent, as long as you are born in Jamaica, you're what? A Jamaican. We don't have it broken down. Da, da, da. No, we don't have it broken down like that. You're just a Jamaican. If you're in Mexico and you're a descendant of whichever country, you're still a Mexican. That's where you're born. If you are born in Puerto Rico, you're Puerto Rican. Colombia, Colombian. That's where you are born. That's your nationality. You're not Chinese Colombian. <laughs> I don't know. This is, oh gosh, it's too much. Um, yeah, but why aren't you classified as an American? Hmm? So then, is it that every country should now go through and classify their people? And further create a divide in a world that is already so divided? I don't know. I really don't know what to say. Buffalo soldier,
man was ahead of his time. That's all I'm going to say about Bob Marley. It's time for business and tech news. Thank you to everyone logged on to the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com, and everyone listening on JanoRadio.com. Thank you to everyone right here with me on Clubhouse. So, Twitter! Twitter begins removing blue checks from users who do not pay. A lot of celebrities have lost their blue check mark. But so what? So what? I saw this um, young influencer from Jamaica uh, making a big deal about it. Um, why are we so hung up on celebrity status? It is what it is. I don't blame them anyway for not wanting to pay Elon Musk. And talking about Elon Musk... Um, his Twitter company removing blue check marks from whatchamacallit Twitter account holders because they're not paying. Um, why are people paying for ver- for blue check mark on Instagram but ain't got no damn life insurance? Make that make sense. But anyway, BuzzFeed News will shut down. Yes, sir. BuzzFeed News, the political. Pulitzer Prize winning digital news website that once inspired a jealousy from legacy media organizations will shutter. That's according to their chief executive. He made the announcement on Thursday. The move was part of broader layoffs across BuzzFeed, Peretti said, with the company moving to slash 15% of its workforce. Uh, did you all hear about this one? SpaceX Starship, Elon Musk promises a second launch within months um the one that just happened blew up ouch how much money did it cost him for the test launch no one was hurt they say in the uncrewed test that lifted off from texas's coast on thursday morning after two to three minutes into the flight the rocket the biggest ever developed started to tumble out of control and was soon destroyed by onboard charges Musk said his company will try again in a couple of months. Okay. I mean, I watched the video and took me to see them a clap. Like, at some kind of confused, like, what am I, is that, they wanted that to happen or something? Because it's a test, it happened, it's a test, it's a test. Yeah, yeah, I must have let them a clap on a chair, even when it explodes. I was like, was that supposed to happen? You get what I say? Because everybody started cheer, clap on a chair when it, when, um, it exploded. So I was like, uh, okay. You know, because it yeah. made it that far up, I guess. They're make here's the thing, Alpha. In testing, um, you as you test and you make certain accomplishments and you um are aware now of what you need to go back to the drawing board and fix and amend, so on and so forth. Yeah, you gotta clap it up because you know what? I wasn't able to get it to go more than a minute up. Now it made it three minutes up. So, you know, we have to embrace our accomplishments which means we're getting closer to our goal right yeah, why that might be true i'm pretty sure you never free you never walk and pick up but that's how it is when you have a billionaire status you know so yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Just things, you know? yeah so hope they clean that up real good uh speaker mccarthy proposes changing access to food stamps as part of debt limit debate courtesy of npr 
So, of course, um, Kevin McCarthy, Republican, California, is pitching changes to the federal food stamp program that would increase the number of people who have to show they are working to be eligible to receive help with their groceries. The proposal is part of a larger legislative um, framework to raise the nation's debt limit for one year while scaling back federal spending. Right now, many people between the ages of 18 to 50 who rely on food stamps are subject to work reporting requirements. McCarthy is looking to raise that age range to 56. Advocates worry that shift if passed could mean people get shut out of the program. It's pretty foreseeable that this is going to lead to more food hardship, said Ellen Vollinger, SNAP Director for the Food Research and Action Center. It doesn't do anything to improve people's employability. It's just going to take food away from people that are unable to meet the documented requirements. More than 9.5 million adults ages 50 and older rely on food stamps, and that's according to an AARP research that was done in 2022. In order to qualify for the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, commonly known as food stamps, there are work requirements for people between the ages of 18 to 49 who do not have dependents and are considered capable. The program limits these adults to three months of SNAP benefits during any 36-month period when they cannot show they are employed or in a work or training program for at least 20 hours a week. McCarthy's proposal would expand the number of people subject to this rule. It hits both those unemployed people and underemployed people because often for people to be able to document the sufficient hours of work, it means that they have to have a job of several hours. And for some of the lower wage jobs or a second job that people get, their work schedules can be pretty unpredictable. And sometimes they lack work hours as businesses cut back. And the Democrats, of course, are not on board. So that's how we're gonna that's what we're gonna do, right? Yeah. So they're already doing this, okay? I, I do understand the part if a person is able to work and capable to work, then they should show that. I understand that. Right. But they're already doing it. They're already doing it. And I really don't understand why don't they take some of this money they're giving away and pay off some of their debt. But that's another argument that's for another day. <laughs> all another argument. You're absolutely right. Absolutely right. I don't know. Remember, I said it this week. I can't remember if it was yesterday or the day before. Um, when I listened to the speech from Robert Kennedy and his concern for the gentleman that he knows who is going to lose his food stamp benefit, call it losing it because it's going to go from 300 and something dollars every month to $25 a month. And this person is a retired veteran and needs the money to be able to buy food, basic food items. What can $25 do? So we're going to tell retired people to get out of retirement, the people, and not everybody, you know, we can sit here and say, well, they should have made good while they were working, and everybody do doesn't have that luxury. 
When you think about people who are stuck on minimum wage, and on that minimum wage, they have to stay on crooked and cut straight, just existing because they have to raise their families. We have to be mindful of those people. So we're not going to sit here and say, oh, they should have invested and they should have done this. No, we're not going to sit on our high horses and our pedestals. We have to think about these people as well, the majority, right? They're going to be affected. Go ahead, Dono. I know people that work, pay into the system. And when you look at the pension or the social security and the, the few the few dollars food stamps they get, they cannot afford to live in cities like New York. I'm not saying that may not work somewhere else, but to pay rent, buy food, do all the stuff, some of these people, after they spend money just for accommodation and so on, they're struggling to make it. You understand? Struggling to make it. So don't feel like it. they get on as though it's so much money they give to these poor people and them. It's not a lot of money. They give more subsidies to farmers and then people and then when, they, when they're giving out money, to tell the truth. But it's, it's difficult. It's difficult for these people. These are not some, these are some people that literally work, you know, and now they retire. So it's not people that's begging. That should be an entitlement to them. And then you come up with all kind of schemes not to give it to them. Come on. Yeah. So yesterday we started to listen to a video um, regarding FedNow. Um, okay, let's pick it up. Used to be a, an umpire is suddenly stepping into the arena, into the into the game, is participating, is competing against the banks. That's an extraordinary development because also it immediately shows, hang on, isn't there a conflict of interest? Yeah. And with that in mind, because these plans have been around for a long time, it's not sudden, um, a sudden thing, this idea of CBDCs, we should revisit the past 10, 15, maybe 20 years of central bank policies because if their goal is, oh, there's too many banks, we need to reduce the number of banks, and by the way, we're going to compete against banks, then maybe all their policies, monetary policies, regulatory policies, could have been affected by this conflict of interest, and maybe the policies were more or less designed to reduce the number of banks and allow the rollout of central bank digital currencies, which are, as you correctly pointed out, that's the third feature, they're not really a currency also, they're a control tool more than anything. All right, a, a lot to break down there. And I, I get you're making several points here, uh, including that perhaps this was by design for a central bank national authority to have more control over the traditional financial system. That consolidated power, as we know, is ultimately a bad thing. You want more independent players for a number of reasons, certainly one of them being economic freedom. I get that digital payments have been around for a very, very long time. I mean, who practically uses cash anymore? But let's expand on the idea of the basics of a CBDC, how it, it's potentially different because it operates on the blockchain, therefore allowing for transactions to be monitored 24-7. And sure, governments can sort of solicit or, or get the... the uh, banking details from banks, but this would give governments 
a direct way to see every single transaction made, every single payment made, every single payment received. So break down that idea for us, how essentially it's just a form of a fiat currency, but that is on a blockchain type of platform potentially, and that it eliminates privacy, eliminates anonymity, and can also be potentially programmable. Expand on that for us, please, Professor. Yes, well, the key aspect is really the programmability. The blockchain, in a way, is a bit of a distraction because it could be on a blockchain or not. It doesn't have to be. You have different options, and ultimately, they could even, just before launch, change their mindset, oh, it's not going to be um, you know, distributed ledger blockchain. Um, the key thing is it's programmable. The technology is there to not just monitor every single transaction, but also to analyze this in real time and inter intervene, step in. And you can have, um, you know, very quickly um, using algorithms, AI, you know, um, ways to reshape society and um, essentially introduce a social credit system as we've, uh, we've seen in China where you get rewarded for certain activities, you get punished for others, and the punishment will include, well, sorry, your money is not going to work for certain transactions. And the central planners will decide what's good for you, what you're allowed to buy, where you're allowed to buy it. Oh, you're outside your 15-minute city um, area. Oh, sorry, your, your currency, your CBDC is not working anymore. And you can then also even fine-tune what type of things you're allowed to buy. This book is okay, but Princes of the Yen at quantumpublishers.com, well, that one, we don't want you to read and find out how central banks have been manipulating the cycles and the economy to increase their power. And so it doesn't work. You can't buy it. Right. Um, they can essentially decide what's going to happen in society. Now, that is such totalitarian power. Um, and they've said this, you know, they've, uh, um, they've said in various speeches, um, also at the BIS, the central bank of the central banks, where they've got a big project on CBDCs, how this is a marvelous, exciting technology that will give them so much power. And so far, the tools that we've had and they've had, they, they don't give them these powers. And that's, of course, why they don't like cash. And they don't even like bank digital currencies, the bank money that we've been using, because the banks have been very good. They have not abused their position of power in the sense that they have not intervened to manipulate our transactions. And they've even, to my knowledge, been uh, quite good about bank secrecy, because we know that if you buy something on Amazon and, and other you know, online uh, retailers, you know, all of them, um, the information of your transactions is being used. You know, your searches in Google and so on is being used. Banks have, to my knowledge, essentially been lagging very much behind this and have not exploited the wide area of information they have on us and our transactions. Um, so based on this record, we should rather actually trust the banks um, because their history has been um, less exploitative of the knowledge that, that is there. Um, and with central bank currency, you know, it is linked to central planners who love to centrally plan and intervene and tell us what to do. All right, I'm going to pause that right there. Um, so I had an idea yesterday after we got off the, the show. 
What if everybody said, okay, you want to control us, you want to watch us, you want to see what we're doing, you want to get to the point where you tell us what we can do and what we can't do, what we can watch, what we can't, what we can and cannot watch, and so on and so forth. What if everybody just went back to good old-fashioned cash? What would happen in that point? So I need to get some groceries. I need eggs. I need milk. So I go to my local farmers and we, we exchange that way. I pay him in cash. He needs to get fertilizer or whatever. He pays his suppliers in cash. I need bricks, um, bricks or blocks to build my house. I pay for it in cash. And everybody just keeps circulating cash. What would happen at that point? Just a thought. Well, think about think about how many times you've been in a store and they said they had a sign on the door and it says card only. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's happening in many places where cash is becoming less, uh, less of an option, right? And you, you have this, and it's on, almost on purpose too. And they, they'll use a little bit of crime. They'll throw a little crime twist in it, you know, like if you don't have cash, you can't get robbed. You know what I'm saying? It's, <laughs> there are other elements. There are other elements involved in that. You know, it's a good idea, but the idea is to eliminate the use of cash. That's the plan. Mm-hmm. That's the eventual plan. Mm-hmm. And control us. Yeah. So, so somebody who, who let's say you're a person who's the cash guy. You know, like like black market. You go you get you go to exchange cash on the black market. That black market disappears because you don't have cash, you know. And so it's a it's a it's the it's the idea that a lot of people have already thought about and are thinking about is just how do you execute it when in the absence of cash. So, travel advisories put out, um, Chief. Do not travel to Jamaica. You go online to try and buy a ticket to go to Jamaica, and you can't buy the ticket. Right. So it has the potential to cripple other countries. Explain, expound. So a country is dependent, for example, Jamaica is dependent on heavily dependent on tourism, right? Just a couple months ago, we had travel advisories for almost every island, every parish in the country. Do not go because of the uptick in crime and so on and so forth. So I go, we would go online. Now, oh, we want to go to Jamaica. We want to go for a vacation. And none of us can purchase a ticket because there's a travel advisory. What happens to the person in Jamaica? who owns a hotel, a villa, Airbnb, and is waiting for tourists to come and then realizes nobody's coming because a travel advisory has been issued and the government is preventing them from being able to buy tickets to go to Jamaica. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, called, missing- it's called a soft sanction. It's called a soft sanction. Right. right. What we're also missing here is now there's travel advisory. Then they don't need to have a travel advisory. They just block all ticket purchase to Jamaica. Exactly. So only the people affected would know. You understand? So you see the power? So you literally could be going on, and if it's not reported on, nobody really knows, but you just shut it down. And that's what I'm talking about. 
the how it's going to affect other economies of the econ economies of other countries because at the end of the day we all depend on each other so look at the way they kill places like black wall street in america right where they went in and bomb and loot and whatever what if you have an up-and-coming prosperous black community you don't need to go in anymore you just shut down digital transactions thank you that, that community will just disappear will die and nobody would know why and and yeah, donald uh, hold on yesterday. a second chief one second and add to that donald remember there was a report that came out last year that black women make up the um largest portion or percentage of entrepreneurs remember that and a lot of these women have walked away from their corporate jobs and they say they need people to work so everything just connect the dots i know i sound a little all over the place but go ahead go ahead um chief my apologies no you're actually right you know nothing to apologize for you mapping it out you know that's what i was saying yesterday uh with the um with the uh what do you call it uh curfews in china and how they just basically shut down they knew people were going to get out so they just shut down the currency system so you wouldn't be able to get access to anything so people said, I got to get out. I got to go get some food and I got to get some medicine or whatever. You're screwed. You, you, you won't be able to use your digital currency. <laughs> oh, boy. So what do we do then? Good question, Chantal. What do we do then? Whatever it is that we're going to do, you definitely can't talk about it. Got to go underground with it. You remember the criticism of the China social credit system? Mm -hmm. That was like, it was all over China with the social credit system. Now we come back with the same system that we're quietly trying to say, oh, we would stop money laundering, we will stop the bad actors, we could shut down the criminal account. What happened when you become the alleged criminal? <laughs> <laughs> it's marketing, Donald. Go, go ahead, Teflon, come on in. This is what I spoke about um, day before yesterday. Um, I don't, I can't remember her name. Was it Sin? Um, Sin, I believe it was uh, Sin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. See, all of this is, is going to happen, and, it, and it's starting to happen. They will shut your money off. That's a fact. If you don't comply, they will shut it off. But um, I'm just a conspiracy theorist, and I always get um, pushback. <laughs> And then like, it always happens. Like everything that's in the pipework, it is going to happen. It's just a matter of time. And Look, then, have, and that, go ahead, Chief. Go, go ahead. No, go ahead. One minute, and then we gotta so, move on. Yeah. Okay, so I have one question: Do banks and do does the IRS endorse banks? Good question. I don't know. So yesterday. I went to open a new LLC, and guess what they did? They give you recommendation on how to go and create an account. They give you all the details. You get an email, and it says Chase Bank. And I was like, what in the hell? What are you talking about, Chief? Okay, online? if you try to, on the, on the yes, photo? online. Once you go, once you go, if what you have an LLC. Okay, if you have, exactly, if you have an LLC and you go to apply for your EIN number. EIN number, yes. Yeah, okay, when you go to apply for it, 
It gives you instructions on what all the things you'll need to go instead of set up your bank account, all that. It's a link in the IRS website that takes you to Chase Bank. If that don't blow your mind, <laughs> it's already blown. <laughs> no, this is this is like Wait, that gotta mean, be decent. Hold on one second, Dr. Daphne. Go ahead. Um, what were you saying, Donnell? No, I can see that they recommended opening an account, but to put a link to Chase, Chief, you sure yes, is not one exactly. of those. You sure is not one of those private uh, sites you go on the direct. No, no, this is the Yes, when they send you okay, I will check it out. I will check it. Yeah, but you may not see by that moment because you have to um, you have to go through the steps first before uh, you get yes. to that. Yes, right. So yeah. it's at the at the end at the end after they give you the number and stuff, you might mm. get that information. So you right. can't just log on and get it because you have to go through and fill out all the different forms, what business it is, what you're doing, all the different stuff yeah. like that. And that I haven't crazy. completed it yet. Right, I haven't completed that portion of the process. So what I'll do is I'll I'll screenshot it and send it to you. All right, real quick, I'm going to make a comment and then we're going to wrap up and then um, on Aaron and come back because I know Dr. Daphne wants to say something. Um, you know what I'm just here thinking? The expats, the people who once they reach retirement age and realize that their retirement income will not be able to sustain them being in the U.S. So they move to countries like Costa Rica or Aruba or other countries in the Caribbean. You have many people moving to Africa right now, various countries throughout the continent, because, of course, the affordability and the need to be able to live a certain quality of life, a reasonable quality of life. What is going to happen? Because now you're living overseas, your money is still in the bank here, and you're still able to spend your money using your debit card or whatever. How is that going to affect them? Hmm, just a question. All right, let me go ahead and do the wrap up and then we'll be right back. Uh, don't go. <laughs> wow. I, I'm, I'm just here thinking. Loud and clear, folks. Um, you're not a conspiracy theorist um, at all. <laughs> um, Teflon, no. We, we critically think. Or we think critically. We're critical thinkers. And this time I'm going to do it my We woke. A big thank you to everyone that logged on to the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com. Remember, for quality music while you work or play, keep it logged on to www.QMZRadio.com for that good music to get you through your day. Thank you to everyone that logged on to JohnNoRadio.com, the non-stop party vibe station. Download the John No Radio app. It is available in your Apple and Google Play stores. J-A-H-K-N-O, John No Radio. Take us on the go. And of course, a big thank you to everyone who joined me here on Coffee in Tow, World News on the Go, where I read the news and we share our views. Thank you for the great conversation, shared views, varying opinions, and always interesting perspectives.
Join Rose Solo for the Rose Solo Show next Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern, live on JohnNoRadio.com, QMZRadio.com, ViscosityBlend.com, WKRIS, Coffee Radio. Yes, next week she will be speaking with the original Shinehead, international reggae dancehall artist. Set your alarms Tuesday, the 25th. My listeners on QMZRadio.com and JohnNoRadio.com, this was a Moments With Me media production. Moments With Me signing out. Have yourselves a wonderful weekend. Catch you next week.